0: Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. All right, we are getting closer and closer. Friday night football. BYU and Utah State, plus week eight of the high school season, obviously. There will be plenty of football on Friday. But the BYU-Utah State game, really intriguing, with the Aggies off to a 3-1 start that really nobody saw coming. Uh, with Blake Anderson, it seemed like there was so much work to do. After that one-win season they had last year, if they come flying out with three wins and then, boom, drop a tire into the first pothole of the year. Everybody's bouncing around inside the car. How do they bounce back from that Boise State game? And for BYU, well, the Cougars, 4-0, got to change quarterbacks, doesn't seem to be a big deal. They're throwing touchdown passes, they're lighting it up. Is five and zero in the cards? They're ranked thirteenth in the country. Here is BYU wide receiver Neil Pau as BYU gets ready for the trip to Logan to face Utah State.
1: You Neil, know, we've talked about the leadership side before, and you know it's a team game. All three phases have to work together, and when you have one that you know has a little bit rougher half like the defense did last week. It's a team thing to make sure everybody's together. It sounded like after the game that everybody felt that. What has to happen to maintain that and make sure the team's always that way no matter what
2: happens uh, on the field? Um, I think it's probably accountability during the week, uh, making sure that everyone's on the right page and uh, not taking the team for granted. Um, I think when we jumped out to a 21-0 lead, we just kind of expected that they'd go away. Um, and that we just kind of walk away with it. But they fought. They showed some heart, and they fought and stuff. And um, we're just thankful to just be 4-0.
1: You guys did have a lot of success offensively, Neil, and and that had to be fun. I mean, you didn't get as many possessions, but when you score touchdowns and, what, five of eight possessions and the last one you kneel it out at the end, you, you know, isn't that about what you hope for as an offense?
2: Yeah, exactly. We wish that we would have had the ball a little more in the second half, um, but we were able just to put it away with another uh, drive to kind of put the game away like we did with Utah and Arizona State. We needed one of those tough drives to run out the clock and uh, put our team in the best position to win, and we definitely did that. Jay, go ahead.
3: Hey, Neil, where does uh, Utah State
2: rank on uh, kind of your list of rivals at BYU? Um. I don't know, a rival, I guess, to BYU fans. I've never seen um, Utah State as a rival. I know that we there's the wagon wheel and stuff, but I've only played them once. I didn't play them the, the last time that we won it because um, I was suspended. So, I mean, I just see them as another team. Um, we saw Utah as another team, so that's what we're going to do it as. As
3: far as playing in front of a hostile crowd for probably the first time in almost two years, how
1: are you guys approaching that?
2: We're excited. Um, we're excited. You know, as awesome as Lavelle has been the past two weeks, with how loud it's been, it's been really loud. Um, we're excited just for the challenge to play away, to kind of hear the booze. Uh, I know a lot of athletes get up for that uh, when they hear booze and they hear taunting. And Utah State definitely is hostile, so um, I think we'll be more than capable with what's coming out with the W. And as long as we just keep our composure and stuff, I think everything uh, should should run smoothly.
4: Uh, Norma,
5: you have a question? Yeah. Neil, can you talk to us about the offensive line and just how important they've been to the success this year and just sort of evaluate them through the first four games?
2: Uh, they've been the reason why we won. Um, I know a lot of the offensive and defensive line, they don't get a lot of uh, picks and um, posts like some of the skills uh, do on offensive defense, but that's where games are won. And they are won. Um Literally because of that. You saw in Arizona State and Utah, we couldn't get the passing game as, as uh, or we couldn't get it going as we did this past Saturday. Um, so we we're able to run the ball and find certain lanes. Tyler was able to hit, and it's all created because of that. So I know this past uh, Saturday, they took a lot of pictures of the big fellas, and the big fellows <laughs> were able to post it on their Instagrams and stuff and, and feel the love as well. So, um, yeah. And just for you personally, do you have like any, I don't know, just like a
5: certain play that maybe we may not have noticed where an offensive lineman really helped you to be able to succeed?
2: Um, I think if we catch a pass, I think every time we catch a pass, that means that the quarterback's getting enough time to throw it. Um, So I think I'll look at that as any type of play. We've got time for one more question. Uh, Mitch, you want to go ahead? Yeah, Neil,
6: uh, you know, earlier today, uh, your coach uh, Aaron Roderick uh, commended you for how hard you practice, uh, saying that you're one of the hardest working uh, guys he's seen in in practice before. Uh, Where does that come from? What uh, makes you just, you know, buy into the grind and work as hard as you can every single day?
2: Um, I think I just started taking it more serious just as years gone by. Um, I think you just grow and you mature. Um, You learn from other people. Uh, You learn from greats. Uh, You watch other people practice, and they perform on Saturdays in the way that they perform. So there has to be um, something in the pudding for why people practice so hard and then why it comes so easy or seems like it comes so easy during game days to them. Um, So talking with some of the guys that went drafted or undrafted and them talking about some of the NFL guys that they've met or um, watched certain people that I've played with since I've been here, uh, that's kind of been pretty much it.
0: There is Neil Pau. Now here is Gunner Romney, whose brother came in, lit it up, threw a couple of long passes to uh to his brother. Gunner had over a hundred yards receiving. Baylor had over three hundred yards throwing. They combined for one of the three touchdowns that uh that Baylor threw for in that game. Here is Gunner Romney with the media on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone.
1: We talked to Baylor about your um, you know, the connection, having the chance to to have the T D pass and and make those plays. What did it mean, mean to
7: you? Um, it meant a lot, uh, especially just seeing how hard my older brother's worked. You know, I, um, it was one of the coolest touchdowns I've caught because, you know, my brother, he's he, he deserved that. He deserves everything that he gets because of how hard he's worked for it. So I think really that's what, that's what made it so cool.
1: You know, even Baylor said that, you know, traditionally a, a guy shouldn't lose a job because of an injury. And I know Baylor's pushing Jaron to be there. As much it is, what's what's that like for you? Because of the brother relationship, the friendship you have with Jaron, and you know even Jacob and, and those guys, that that whole situation, you know, how do you, how do you deal with it emotionally? Just because these are guys you care about and you want to see them all be successful. Yeah,
7: I mean, I just try not to pay attention to it. Really, I mean, whoever is going to be the starter is going to be my quarterback, and I'm going to be catching balls from him. But in the end, it's not my decision. Um, it's it's Coach Roderick and and the the offensive uh, coordinator's decision. Um, so, I mean, I just, I just leave that up to them. I, I try not to stress about it.
6: Mitch, do you have a question? Yeah, Gunnar, uh, is there a little bit more incentive with this game this week with a trophy at stake? The, the wagon wheel, you guys had that two years ago up in Logan and there's a big celebration after. Is, is that incentive at all for to add to, to this week's game?
7: Um, a little bit for sure. I mean, they are rival. Um, we want to go in there to their, to their home field and get a win. Um, but in the end, it's just another game, you know, it's, it's just another, we look at games one week at a time and this is the game that we have next. And so really it should be treated as any other game should be.
6: Was uh, on Saturday's game uh, against USF. Did you guys feel like, I mean, was that kind of a, a breakthrough performance for the offense where he's only had about 50 plays and he and scored 35 points still was it a situation where you felt like anytime you guys got the ball, you were going to put up points.
7: Yeah I mean that's that's one thing we've talked about as an offense is we needed to get going. we needed to find a rhythm. I think we finally found it and hopefully you know it'll carry on throughout the whole season because we've been we've been looking for that breakout that we had.
8: Let's go Jared and then Jake.
1: We've talked to some of the guys, Gunner, about you know going on the road for the first time, but I wanted to ask about having a day less of preparation. These game weeks seem to fly by. I know you guys have a lot of work that you try and get in. What difference does that have? Because you guys have been through it before. Does it make a difference when, when you're a day short? Yeah,
7: it for, for sure does. That's one thing that um, people kind of pick up the urgency a lot, but it's hard because you know when you come back, usually on Monday, it's more of a recovery type day we practice lighter without shoulder pads, um, and kind of take that day to review film from the past game. Um, but you know, we can't do that this week. We have to jump right into it, even though some of us may be beat up. Some of us are still sore from from Saturday. We just got to jump right into it because we leave on Thursday to go up there. So we'll really only have three full days of practice. Um, so we got to jump on that immediately. And, um, it does add urgency and it, it takes away some time of preparation. So we just have to, to use the time that we have, um, is, it's more valuable.
1: And I don't know how much you've looked at, but what have you seen from Utah State's defense so far?
7: Um, I really haven't looked at them too much yet. That's that's what um, today's for. But, you know, they're a solid defense. They're, uh, they're very, very much improved from the last time we played them. And so we got to go in and just have the mentality that, you know, they're going to be a great team and, and we got to play our best to beat them.
8: Go ahead, Jake.
0: Yeah, Gunnar, I I know we've asked you this question in the past, especially when you and Baylor played together before,
1: but how cool is it to have your brother throwing passes to you?
7: No, it's an awesome experience. Um, You know, sometimes I forget that, uh, you know, playing Division I football is is not a lot of good people get to do that. And then especially with my brother here, um, you know, there's been only a handful of people. We have a couple other brothers on the team, but no quarterback-receiver connections that I can think of. Um, And so it's – it's, it's a really cool experience. And sometimes I forget about how unique this experience is that we're going through.
2: Um, looks
8: like we got a last question from Sean Walker.
1: Know, I'll make this one really
9: quick, but uh, you talked about the wagon wheel. And I, I think it's one of the coolest and maybe most underrated trophies in college football, whether this is a rivalry game or not. Um, you, I, I think you've been able to lift up that, that wheel one, maybe once before in your career. How heavy is that thing?
7: Um, yeah, you're not lifting it up by yourself. That's for sure. It's it's pretty it's pretty stocky. Um, but I'm, you know, hopefully looking forward to, to lifting it up again with a couple of my teammates this weekend.
0: All right, there are the Cougars, Neil Pau and Gunnar Romney to get things started. When we come back, PK and I talking football with Riley Jensen. You know, it's an interesting thing with the, uh, the BYU Cougars going up to Logan, the Cash Valley. Utah State's backyard. It's got a lot of BYU fans in it. Leaves a little tension in the rivalry. Riley will get to that, and also to uh, evaluating the two quarterbacks at BYU and at Utah State, and how things are going to work out going forward. Both those schools like they look like they've got two good quarterbacks, and also uh, Riley, you know, has a background um, in psychology. The people call him the mental performance coach. And what would he do if he were working with the University of Utah, going through a second tragedy, a second member of that football team killed in a nine-month span in gun violence, and it is uh, it is just brutal. And uh, Riley's thoughts on that. We'll get to all of that next. Stay with us.
5: It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Huh! Huh! The Aggies welcome in BYU to Maverick Stadium for another chapter in their long rivalry with the Cougars. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame show Friday at 6 on 1280 AM with a postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJP gates 97.5 and 1280
0: The Zone. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joins us now on the Smart Rain Guest Line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end of season sale on the Irrigation Smart Controller. Save 50% off each Smart Controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial properties. Own listeners, visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. What's going on? Many things are happening. We'll start with the sports and the hardcore football first. We'll get to fan behavior later. Are your Aggies ready to bounce back after that three-point offensive debacle against the Broncos? So many yards, so right. few points. Or level competition has gone up. The first three games are bound to look different than the next two because of the quality of the opponents in uh, games four and five.
10: Well, you certainly hope that they'll bounce back from the way that they played on Saturday. Um, I don't know if it was a 10 o'clock in the morning start. I'm sure that they have plenty of excuses for, you know, why they weren't able to move the ball offensively because for the most part in the first three games, they've been able to move it. Um, I think the silver lining for Utah state right now is that South Florida was able to move the ball. They were able to move it around with a, with a mobile quarterback, which I think Peasley brings to the table. You know, I don't know, I don't know exactly what they're going to do with Logan Bonner and Peasley and how they're going to use that combination or if, if, if Bonner's totally healthy. But I think Peasley brings some things to the table that the quarterback in South Florida brought last week, and I think that they'll probably, probably try and exploit some of those things because I'll tell you what, when Peasley gets out in the open field, it, it's pretty impressive how, how well he can run the ball. Now, on the flip side, you, you, you go to BYU and you go, yeah, we're going to take the exact game plan that Boise State used, we're going to implement that, and we're going to lean on Utah State. We're gonna be physical with them and we're gonna we're gonna not turn the ball over and, and, and go after them. So I, I actually anticipate that both teams will play a little bit better with the exception of the first quarter. I think it'll just be a little bit of like filling each other out, figuring out what they're gonna do, and then, then I think it'll be a fun football game to watch.
8: So you're
11: calling it Blake Anderson needs to start Peasley, huh?
10: No, that's <laughs> you know you know, PK. No. No, don't listen. I know don't listen. Okay. Get, he doesn't. You try to get, you try to get people to 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 break down. Yeah, I get them to say, I hate that school. I can't yep. stand that. School. I I see what you're doing here. I'm I'm an old veteran. I'm I'm actually turning <laughs> into an old person. I love
0: that. that. Hot Rod used to always say the young rookie. It drove me nuts. And you're the old.
11: He just said they saw a weakness with the South Florida quarterback running around. And Peasley has that ability. The guy's got a big time motor. So, wouldn't that logically lead to the question do you think they should start Peasley? And then he attacks me.
10: (laughs) I'm. Somehow I'm feeling bad for Jackie right now because I feel like something just got like wrapped into this conversation that wasn't there.
11: <laughs> Jeez. Why even try? Why? <laughs> just throw your hands up in the air. Please. I already it's so, did. It's
10: such hard work. It's hard work.
11: <laughs> Jeez. So much no, for being I like, an listen, inquisitive I like reporter. reporter.
10: And I, I think one of the things that I love about this game is there's a lot of good quarterbacks. I I have been very impressed with the first and second string quarterback at both BYU and Utah State, and I, I think you have to give a lot of credit to Peasley, and you got to give a lot of credit to Baylor Romney. Those two guys, and it's not an easy position to be in. They have been ready to go whenever their number has been called, and so if if Utah State does do that, or if or, or BYU feels like the Jaron Hall's not ready to go, I, I think we're still going to see high-quality quarterbacking out of, out of both schools.
0: Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us. Uh, is BYU's offense that good and they were holding back some stuff uh, just because they didn't need it and they were trying to shorten games and they had the lead? Or that deep passing game we saw was that a function of the opposition or the changing at quarterback? What what was it? Because all of a sudden BYU's throwing the ball over the top and making big plays.
10: Well, I personally feel like I mean, look, I, I, there must have been something in the South Florida game plan that they saw just to call those plays. But uh, I'll be honest with you, I was very impressed with Baylor Romney, and I know I know people are going to like like shake their heads when I make this comparison, but I feel like he's a college version of Joe Montana. I mean, he wears number 16, he's he's deceivingly fast, he's very accurate on the deep ball, and I was just way impressed, and I have been since Baylor's been in the program. I know that we all fall in love with these running quarterbacks, but, but Baylor Romney's kind of a throwback to to the to the typical pocket quarterback that we all loved and, and grew to love back in the 90s and the, and the early 2000s, right? He's, I mean, his accuracy on the deep ball is off the charts. Just let me give you an example here. When, when, I, when I coached and when I played, I really felt like I needed to be up in the 70 to 80 to 90% on all these short balls, right? So these quick hitches, these little bubble screens. And we didn't do as much of that when I was playing as when I was coaching, right? But I wanted my quarterbacks to be at an extremely high percentage on those so that we could get defenses to scoot up a little bit, scoot up a little bit, scoot up a little bit. And then I was super happy. This is the the honest truth. I was super happy if we were like two for four on a deep ball in a game or if we were three for six. I felt like, man, we were really efficient in the deep game. And to see him throw the ball and just put on the money on these wide receivers, I, I thought it was really impressive, especially for being his first start in a while. And uh, I, I mean, my 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 hat goes off to him. I I think he's a very accurate quarterback and a very capable quarterback. I can't say enough good things about Romney. And I I liked the way Jaron Hall was playing, so I don't. It it, it doesn't make me feel better if Jaron Hall doesn't play. I'll put it that way as a Utah State fan.
11: So you're saying if given the opportunity to full time be a full time starter, Romney can be better than Detmer. <laughs>
10: Than, better than Kai Detmer? Is, he, this is, is this where we're going again? We're I'm asking.
11: <laughs> is he a better passer I, than Jaron Hall?
10: I. Well, you said Detmer. So I, I know. I'm just kidding. Now I think, I'm being serious. Is I think, he a better passer a better, than Hall? I think he's a better pure passer than Hall. I think Hall brings other... I also <laughs> think Hall's a very good passer, but I think Hall brings a couple of other things to the table... So I can see why he's been named as the starter. So I would have, I probably would have done it the same way. But, and then again, I got to point out just the ability of Aaron Roderick to develop quarterbacks right now. I mean, listen, this quarterback was prepared for that last game, and he knew exactly where he was supposed to go with the ball. Um, A lot of times when I'm watching a quarterback play, I'll try and just watch his body language after he throws the ball. I can almost always tell you whether it's a completion or not. I call it, I call it confidence throws. Like when you see a quarterback throw the ball, there's kind of a body language and just like a reaction to the throw in the way his body looks after he throws the ball that that can tell you without looking downfield whether it's going to be a completion or not. And there was an extremely high amount of confidence throws from Baylor Romney. To me, that indicates that he knows the offense. He's been prepared during the week, and he knows where he's supposed to throw the ball.
0: So who's going to win that game in Logan Friday night?
10: So, uh, I've been thinking a lot about this as i uh, you know, knowing that I was going to come on this phone call. I think it is really, really important for BYU to kind of like out BYU Utah State. Like they need to be the physical team. I think James Empey and the boys up front they really need to lean on Utah State early. They need to they need to get a couple of scores early to give Utah State some doubt. And they really need to lean on them, not turn the ball over, play this really high-quality defense that they've been able to play if they want to win. If Utah State wants to win, first of all, they need to break off the, the cobwebs of last game, and they need to get into the end zone in the first quarter, hopefully a couple of scores for Utah State in the first quarter, and turn this game into a game where it's a high-scoring affair. I think, I think the edge leans to Utah State. If this becomes a high-scoring affair, I think the edge is to BYU if it's a ball-control, like, limit turnovers type of game. But I think if if Utah State gets in a shootout like they did against Air Force, if they get in a a situation where they have to score a lot of points and they're able to score a lot of points, I think they're a scary team because they get really, really confident as the game goes on. And if BYU comes out and really just leans on them and hammers them at the first part of the game and then – Continues that, I think that's going to be hard for Utah State to overcome. So,
11: you went, you got your certification, I don't know what to call it. What you get your certification in, what would it be? How would you phrase it?
10: So, my degree is in sport and performance psychology. They call me a mental performance coach or a sports psychology consultant.
11: Okay, so with that in mind, obviously Utah has had two major, major tragedies in the span of nine or ten months. Now, from the football perspective, which to a degree seems irrelevant, but nevertheless, they've got games to play. If they were to employ you, given the tragedy that uh, befell the befell the program last week, what would you do?
10: Well, I mean, that's a, that's a really nuanced question, and there's a lot of moving parts to that. With sure. you know, over a hundred guys on a team, yeah. but I would I would say this: uh, I think it's a good thing that there's a bye week this week. And I think it's a good thing for the players to be able to um, maybe sit down and go through just just some gratitude exercises. There's so much as far as the science and the research goes as far as gratitude goes, and that's not that's not being a church lesson, but being grateful for what you have, being grateful for the relationships that you have, being grateful for the relationships that you have had. Um, It can build self-esteem. It can help with trauma. Gratitude is really, really good with trauma, which this situation is going to be a trauma to a lot of these players. And then what I would probably focus on as far as performance, and once we've had a chance to, like, sort of, I mean, none of them are going to go through the full process of grieving this week, but sort of be able to acknowledge the grieving and the gratitude and the things that they have. Then what I would be very, very specific about if I was working with an individual player is, is really just getting through each day and, and having a focus on each practice where you just kind of reduce everything to like one thing that I'm going to work on today or one thing that I'm going to try and get better at today instead of overwhelming yourself with all the things that you need to do because what can, what can happen in these situations is, when when emotions take over the frontal lobe and when emotions and grief are are overtaking your body, it becomes difficult to focus and it becomes difficult to not uh, feel and see and hear all the voices that are going on in your head. And so there's going to be a lot of, it pulls you in a lot of different directions. And so the best way to help someone to focus is just to have them focus on one thing a day or one thing in practice or one thing in the next hour, just really simplify a lot of the things that are going on. My heart goes out to these players. This is is heavy stuff, right? This is someone that was, like, in the locker next to you. This is someone you were joking with last week. This is someone that you were celebrating with after the game last week. And, uh, you know, the finality of it is very, very real. And so my heart goes out to the program. My heart goes out to those players especially because – if you ask any football player that I know that's played Division One football, high school football, junior high football, to a T, um, they don't all miss the practices, but they sure miss their friends, and they sure miss those relationships. And so that's where this becomes really, really heartfelt and, and really, really hard for these players. And those, those relationships I mean some of the football players I played with I mean, we haven't seen each other in years. We'll see each other at a football game, and we're joking in the exact same manner. It's like we haven't even missed a beat. And that's some of the things that I miss the most. And, and that's one of those things that you feel like is taken away um, when a tragedy like this happens.
0: So, uh, since you said it was so nuanced, I'm curious one of the nuances, uh, because this group of people has gone through this now twice in less than a year, almost almost nine months to the day, does that add a whole nother level to it? I mean, you talk about PTSD and that. I, I, I would think that that's got to be even more brutal. And, and one standalone event like this would be brutal, but to have two in a month seems like no a, another level.
10: No question it's another level. And I think one of the things that I think about in, in this is, look, not everybody was best friends with this guy, right? And not everybody was best friends with Ty Jordan, and I don't mean that, that you don't like them, but there's, there's different people that you hang out with more on a team, especially in a team that size. Um, and so there's all, there's all sorts of guilt. There's all sorts of shame and different things that happen to people in the sense that, like, why am I not feeling worse about this? Or there's just all these nuanced parts of grief where we have this picture of what grief is supposed to look like for us, and then when it doesn't look like that picture, we wonder if something's wrong with us, right? And we wonder if something's wrong with our systems. And typically, there's nothing wrong with the people that are grieving. They're just grieving in different ways. And then there's the whole interlaced and nuanced picture of feeling like other people should grieve the same way that you grieve, right? And, and looking at that and making judgments on other people on, on whether they're grieving the way you think they should grieve. And so that's where it gets really nuanced, right? And then, when you make your own comparison yourself, like why did I feel worse about Ty's death than I do about Aaron's death, or why do I feel worse about this one than I did about the last one, or do I, or do they feel the same? It, it just becomes confusing and sometimes difficult to unpack. That's 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 why it's nuanced, right? Is there's just a lot of different feelings that go into this.
0: Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Hey. Thanks for letting me come on the show, man. Um, hey, one, I got one. I do have one more thing for you on a much lighter okay, note than we okay. just hit there. Uh, no, I'm curious th- because you've gone to so many Utah State games. We got a question here about what BYU fans should expect if they go to Logan for the game, you know, and if they've gone to Utah and all that. And it came down to uh, some Aggie fans uh, and, and BYU fans being upset that both are church members, but they're at each other's throats over the rivalry. How does that work in the Cache Valley, Utah State fans? getting upset with the BYU fans who live in the Cache Valley because you live there.
10: Yeah, it's an it's an interesting... I mean, you have to remember, you know, I just I grew up not far from the campus. I mean, I was like three or four blocks from the campus in Logan, and then um, I moved to Salt Lake when I was 14. But, I mean, there's professors, there's there's people who are members of the Mormon Church who graduated from BYU or right there in the Cache Valley, and it is... It is a little bit of a source of contention. There is some, there is some resentment in Cache Valley for people who live in Logan that are BYU fans. They're, 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 it's palpable, and I remember, I remember just knowing as a young kid who the BYU fans were in the neighborhood that lived in Logan, and it was like, huh, I wonder why, why do they do that, <laughs> you know? And then, you know, and then there was my my own thought processes where. I really cheered for B y u at every game except for Utah State growing up and um you know as far as like um, the 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 competition or the thought process of that going on in the stadium, I mean look, Utah State doesn't have as many fans as the University of Utah, but they're passionate and they're they're very emotional about their team, so I don't expect to be you know like a level down like oh we're gonna be super super like super kind if if Utah State's getting beat really bad up there. But I also think that Utah State fan in and of itself, they, they try to be kind to the opposing teams. But the BYU game, it just kind of it, it amps it up a little bit. The emotions will be on the sleeves of Utah State fans, no question about it. Thank you, Riley. We appreciate it. Take
0: care,
11: guys. Have a great day.
0: There is Riley Jensen, and as always, we love having him on. When we come back, a guy we rarely have on, Luke Robitaille, he is the president of the Los Angeles Kings, and the Kings have the Frozen Fury event with the Vegas Golden Knights. It's actually the uh, first of uh, three consecutive years that those two teams are going to be meeting here at the Vivint Arena, and we will talk hockey with him next. Stay with us.
5: It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. Kalani Satake and BYU take their undefeated record to Logan for a showdown against the Aggies. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with a Cougar preview show. Friday at 6 on 97.5 FM with a post-game show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 12.80, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Well, the LA Kings are coming back to town. They've been here a couple times for preseason games, and now they got a three-year deal with the Vegas Knights to come up here and play. I think there's a lot of Southern Californians up here, and obviously Vegas is pretty close, and people are driving up and down I-15 all the time, so... Natural, these two teams will be coming to Utah. They're going to play a preseason game tonight. You can get your tickets at VivintArena.com. They start at $39. This will be the third time that the Kings have been here, and they'll be here the next couple of years as well with Vegas. So bringing the NHL hockey to Utah, and we talked a lot about a lot of NHL topics um, from the Olympics to the Golden Knights' success to the Kings winning two Stanley Cups but having to rebuild Missing the playoffs three years in a row. They've only been to the playoffs twice in seven years, and they lost the first-round series both times. So we had Luke Robitaille on late in yesterday's show. He references tomorrow night a couple times, but uh, the game is tonight at Vivint Arena. All right, DJ and PK, here we are with Luke Robitaille. Luke joins us now. Luke, good morning.
4: Hey, good morning, guys. Bring How in are the, you
0: today? Doing well. You're bringing the NHL to Utah. And uh, although we never met, I understand you have spent a considerable amount of time in Utah and have ties to the Utah area. He owns property, did not he? And, yeah, and can speak to Utah yeah. a little more than the average NHL person.
4: Yeah, I know the area pretty well. The Heber <laughs> Valley, you know, the whole area there. and Been there for many years, so love it there.
11: So, Wasatch or Ledges or Promontory, where do you play? Uh,
4: Well, I played them all. <laughs> I played them all. <laughs> Not well, and I visited, like, all the sides, side to side.
11: <laughs> so, I got to share a little funny story with you. I, was, I used to work for the South Bay Daily Breeze based out of Torrance in the 90s. And, yeah. uh, and we played, uh, I played softball and the Kings had a team. Jim Fox was on the team and we always used to like to beat them over there at Wilson Park and Torrance. But, uh, so I worked in the sports department and I think it was the year that you guys went to the, uh, the Stanley Cup Finals, was that, 93? So we had our yeah, hockey Yeah, our hockey guy wrote a big feature on you, and we had the headline, and the, the headline, the guys on the desk wrote the headline, Luke of the Draw was kind of a play on your name. But some dumb editor changed it to Luck of the Draw, and it really ticked off the guy who wrote the headline and the guy who wrote the story. I'm sure you don't remember it, but that's one thing that I remember <laughs> from the 90s for Luke Robitaille. Every time I hear the phrase, Luck of the draw, I think of Luke Robitaille and how the editor changed that headline.
4: So, do you think he brought in bad luck to our organization? <laughs> <by Yeah. some> <laughs> <answer>? <laughs> it sure sounds like it.
11: <laughs> I don't know. I know you haven't been in the playoffs, I think, for three years, so what what is the level uh-huh. of optimism going into this season?
4: Right, for us, uh, you know, in, in the NHL, having a hard cap, it's uh, we had a really good run, and uh, you know, around 2011 till about 2015, 16, and then uh, we just ca- had to rebuild our team. We had to uh, to just go back to the draft and so forth. So we've been kind of loading up the last two three years. We have a number one pool of prospect coming into our organization. So we're excited. This is the first year that we said, okay, we're turning the page. We're done with the rebuild. So we sign. A, couple free agents this summer we made a trade and uh, so our guys our veterans are excited because we're getting in some new fresh blood coming in we've had the number two overall last year drafted uh, in Quinton by field and uh, so we're excited this is like our time for us to turn the page to getting back into being competitive it's not like the NBA where you could get two guys and then yeah. you cook co- you're competitive and then the third guy you pretty much to be in the top four or five. Right. It's a little harder.
0: <laughs> but I do think in all the salary cap leagues that there has to be a certain understanding, and baseball, you set that aside because they're not capped, but in the salary cap leagues, a certain understanding that you go for it for a while, and you guys won it all. You yeah. to the cup in 2012 and 2014, and the year in between you were in the conference final. And is it, but from the fan perspective and also inside the organization, the good times are good. Now you've only played two playoff series in 7 years and you lost them both. Yep. But it's the salary cap and their cycles. Is it worth it or the downtime's so bad you're like, "Oh man, this is killing me." Or or can you kind of no. convince yourself, "Hey, the uptimes are worth it and we're rebuilding, it's okay."
4: There's nothing like winning a championship, guys. I mean, the the fans will remember forever the they live with you forever, and it, it, it's amazing. Uh, I think, yeah, we, we look back now, we're like, man, we haven't done much the last six, seven years. But there was a time that we still had hope for two, three, four years. Probably the one mistake that we made that we learned along the way is uh, to, unfortunately, in this kind of cap era, you, you, you know, fans fall in love with players because you, when you win a championship, they become heroes. And at some point, probably it's, it's, it's easier for them and for the organization to say goodbye earlier to some of the guys because you just can't keep everybody. You can't sign everybody to what the, the amount of money they deserve to be able to to stay competitive for a longer period of time. And that's what makes it really hard in a in a hard cap era.
11: I know your coach. So far in the preseason game, McClellan's been playing a lot of youngsters. And what should the fans expect when they come to the arena to see the game against Las Vegas?
4: well, I, well tomorrow for us, we got most of our roster. We got a ton of guys playing, so we're 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 going down today on our roster. We're, we're we're having a few cuts, so you know they should expect to see our top guys. They they're going to expect to see some of our top prospects. So. It's going to be a fun game. And and also, funny enough, I mean, Vegas has been so competitive. They've done such a great job with their franchise. They're already a huge rival of ours. So those games are always super intense. So they they should expect a great game tomorrow. I mean, Vegas is a great, great team, great organization. So it's going to be a lot of fun for that game tomorrow.
0: So when you go, and I don't know how often you go on the road with the team, but if you go on the road to Vegas for a Kings game, I, I mean, I grew up in San Diego and lived in Southern California for a long time, and Vegas was always, well, in San Diego, we'd call them a bunch of L.A. wannabes, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> they are a bunch of L.A. wannabes. So I assume you still have a Kings fan base there. There's certainly transplants there. So is it like a 70-30 crowd when you go to Vegas, or is it is it all Golden oh, Knights and you don't hear Kings fans?
4: Oh, no. I mean, it, it's amazing. You're right. We played there, you know, preseason games for about 15 years straight, and mm. We get our fans to come down. We had a huge base. None of them are Kings fans, I think. They're all Vegas Golden Knights fans. It's amazing. They have a great crowd. They support them. They follow them. There'll probably be quite a few of them tomorrow. It's uh, They've done an amazing job at, at making sure they, they have their following with them. And it's been fun. It's kind of funny. we. We gain a lot more hockey fans, probably lost a few Kings fans for us, but I think it's good for our game. Yeah,
11: up here, too, and getting exposure to NHL right here in our city so the fans don't have to travel out of state. They can get it right here by coming into downtown. This is the third time that the Kings have been playing here since uh, 2018. Is this something that you're looking to continue?
4: Yeah, yeah. We've been talking with the folks at the arena with uh, the jazz folk so they've been they've been tremendous partners we 're really happy, and uh, we know we're coming back for the next couple of years, but we'd love to keep that going it's just been a lot of fun and I think the game with Vegas makes it a lot of fun too that both teams are pretty close, so it's uh, i'm looking forward to seeing tomorrow tomorrow night 's crowd.
0: So, obviously, there's an expansion team in Seattle. Uh, there have also been teams moving. So, what do you think is the future for the NHL? Is there more expansion coming? How do, you, how do you think this is going to play out? Or you need to keep those markets open in case another team needs to move?
4: Uh, I, I'm not seeing, uh, like, another expansion in the, in the near future in our league. There could be a couple teams that move. You never know. You know, we, we haven't had uh, too many people moving. I mean... So the Islanders moved just the arena, but not uh, in the in city. But that was it. And I don't foresee a lot happening as far as movement of our franchise in the next few years. Oh, so you we, th- we're starting to get a lot more stability, yeah.
11: You think Phoenix is, is settled?
4: Uh, no, the, that's the one uh, I was going to say. That's the, the, the one that's the not sure. But we keep hearing that they're getting closer and closer to get an arena. Right in uh, either Scottsdale or Tempe in that area. So we we keep hearing, like we were just there the other day, and they're talking about uh, it should be an announcement soon, and I don't know when that's going to be, though.
0: Luke Robitaille joining us, the LA Kings team president, and the Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights have an exhibition game at Vivint Thursday night if you want to go see some NHL preseason hockey. I'm curious, uh, obviously you know because you're in the Hebrew Valley and you know how big a deal the Jazz are here and what the Olympics have done for basketball there's been some back and forth and now it looks like the nhl players are in the next olympics how does that hurt the nhl season stop in mid-season how does it help it what is the as a as an ex-player and now the team president what is the give and take from the business side and the hockey side over something like that
4: well funny enough from the business side you you never really like to stop the season especially if you have momentum um but but you can adjust to it. Look, like, I mean, it depends on how your team's doing. The one thing you hope is you you won't get your star to go there and get hurt because that that could really flip your season. But uh, from a hockey side, it's been good. It's been good for us to go in in the Olympics. I don't know how the time change is going to make the, the the availability of the games this year. But on this deal, our players really wanted to go. It's 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 always been clear that. Uh, when we uh, signed a new collective bargaining agreement that the players, they wanted that option to go to the Olympics. and They were the ones that wanted to go. So if they really want to go, well, we're fine with that. So you know, it should be a fun tournament. That means the guys are going to take it real seriously.
11: So I'm down in Vegas a lot for for personal reasons, and the amount of uh, popularity <laughs> what,
4: that the kind of, wait a minute, what kind of personal <laughs> nothing to do with gambling,
11: gambling no, no, nothing more family, <laughs> more, family <laughs> more family issues <laughs> uh, 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 or circumstances, not issues but circumstances. <laughs> okay. uh, so it's all clean, it's all above board. I promise you.
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Good.
11: <laughs> and so with that in mind, I mean I have seen the popularity of the nights just explode. And it's really incredible. It's been a smashing success. And, of course, they've had a lot of success on the ice very quickly. And you've already alluded to it And for an expansion team and all that. What do you think has been some of the reasons for them to be able to hit the ground running to find success as far as a competitive team?
4: Well, it, it's uh, you know the, the competitiveness of it. Like, first of all, their GM at the time, George McVeigh and now Kelly McCerman. they've done a tremendous job. They were very strategic. Like our expansion draft changed, so that you were for sure they were going to get a good player from each team. So they took full advantage of it. Some teams wanted to keep some players, so they made trade. They gave extra picks, and so so forth. So they got a lot of assets to start with, and they made sure. They took full advantage of it, and then the other thing regarding the city itself is when they started. If you remember, there I think it was like a week and a half before the opener, there was the unfortunate event of the shooting there yeah. in Vegas, yeah, and it was horrible. So no, we didn't know if the season was going to start at the time and so forth. The one thing about hockey players is they. They do a lot off the ice. They give a lot. Guys, that are like the hockey players are known to be good guys and so forth. So no one knew any of those players, but everybody they they threw a jersey on all of them, and they visited everyone in each hospital in the city. And I think that had a huge impact. It gave, whether you could call it hope or, they got to talk with some of the people that were, you know, in in, in tough condition. They got to talk to the. Uh, the first responders and so forth and then right away it seemed to have an impact that people understood in Vegas that when you have a team they can make a difference they started raising money for people and so forth and they I don't know if you guys saw the opening night but they had like uh, all first responders yeah. coming on the ice with right. each player when they when they announced them, and it, it just had this impact and then to make matters even better for them, I think they won, four, out of 41 games at home, they won 32 that year. Some some crazy number like that. And it was absolutely amazing. You know, they they just seemed like they couldn't lose. They had that momentum, and they just right away catapulted the, the whole franchise. It was amazing.
0: Luke Robitaille joining us, uh, L.A. Kings team president. How, uh, quote-unquote, back to normal is the NHL going to be? Obviously, with the pandemic, everything was scrambled. Canadian teams playing each other, didn't have the traditional uh, divisions, and well, we could go on and on with all the differences. How, how close to normal is the NHL season going to be? Uh,
4: well, the season will be there, but it's not, you know, nor- our normal now is different. You know, we got to wear masks and people you check vaccination, you check tests and so forth, it's not quite what it used to be, but we're starting to get closer to normal where fans are going to be accepted. I think 30 of our, out of 32 buildings will have 100% fans in our league, so at least that's going to happen. So from that standpoint, our players are looking forward to having fans in the stands and some noise because last year it was it was really weird.
0: Well, Luke, we appreciate you bringing a little hockey, a little event back to town and uh, hopping on the air with us for a few minutes to talk about it. And uh, hopefully we'll run into you on a golf course somewhere.
4: Yeah, uh, hopefully I'll run into you. (laughs) Okay? Okay. Hopefully you guys, we'll see some people tomorrow night. Thank you.
0: There's Luke Robitaille joining us. The game is tonight. $39 tickets available at VivintArena.com for the Golden Knights and the Kings, L.A. and Vegas squaring off. When we come back...
3: There's not a quarterback battle right now. I mean, we're going with our starting quarterback. Who I think he's playing very well. i um, happy
0: that he is, so Trey is not thrown into any situations. He has to do too early. Um, if he ever is thrown into that, then I know Trey will deal with that, and he'll get better as it goes. But that's not, we have a luxury where we don't have to do that yet to Trey or to our team. So uh, hopefully we won't have to. That's Kyle Shanahan, coach of the Niners, right there, saying there's no quarterback controversy experience. It separates the two quarterbacks right now. And they know what they're doing. Trey one day, but not right. today. Play me or Trey me. <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown down. Edinburgh football tonight, the Thursday night games on the NFL Network Cincinnati and Jacksonville. Jacksonville trying to avoid 0 and 4, and I suspect they don't have a very good chance of avoiding 0 and 4, but we'll see how that plays
11: out. No, they're. I don't think they're going to go 0 and 17, so you can say that every week, though, and they're going to win one time. Uh, if they lose tonight, I think it matches or maybe even su- exceeds the number of losses Trevor Lawrence had in college and high school combined. Correct.
0: That's not very many losses in
11: high school and college combined. Well, the maximum would be four. See, because they're 0 and 4, that would be 0 and 5. I guess it could. They're be. zero and three going to zero and four. Right, if yeah. they lose tonight, then zero five. So I'm not sure if it sets or ties because of what I was going to get at. If it ties, then next week he could break it, which would suck. But that was somewhat predictable. There was no way whether they went zero and four or whatnot. There was no way they were going. Uh, what do they have? Seventeen games now. There's no way they were going twelve and seven or so. What would equal seventeen? Help me out. Twelve, 12 and 5. five. They were. He was going to set the record. He was going to lose more games this year
0: than he was going to. It was just going. Yeah, this happen. is a bad team. But yeah, and one number one draft pick isn't changing that. No, but uh, yeah, I got to change it over time. Hit on a
11: bunch of draft picks and then a bunch more draft picks, and we've seen NFL teams get better, but not this better. You know, the Jets and the Jags were doomed. <laughs> yeah, we see teams go from worst to first, but not these teams. Well, not this bad, right? You know, if you can find a way to get six, seven wins, then I think you have something to work with going forward in the next season. Patriots running back James
0: White out for the year, right hip injury. He is all done for the one and two Patriots. Tom Brady telling reporters, excuse me, not Tom Brady. Who? This will be Bill Belichick telling reporters ahead of his team's game against Tom Brady and the Bucks: Nothing Tom does surprises me. He's a great player, works hard, takes care of himself. He's talked about playing until 50. If anybody can do it, he probably can. He's had an unbelievable career. There's not enough superlatives and adjectives to compliment him on everything he's achieved and continues to achieve. It's unbelievably Nothing. impressive. So if he returns a kickoff 100 yards? ha. <laughs> Hey, they're trying a 67-yard field goal. Tom, get out there, see if you can take it back 109 yards.
11: Come on, nothing? He's got to say that. He's got to downplay it, so kill him with compliments. Yep. Try to defuse anything going into this game. This is the biggest uh, reunion separation come together on opposite teams ever in the history of that sort of thing. There's never been a more prominent player playing against his former team in the history of the NFL, and you'll think and you'll fail.
0: Well, the one that comes to mind doesn't is doesn't matter. Uh, oh, okay, you can have fine. a thousand come <laughs> to mind? Joe Montana and the Chiefs played Steve Young in the Niners, like the third game he was in Kansas City. Yeah, but that, the Chiefs that, won. That
11: had no controversy. Steve Young dropped. A, Okay, don't go Beat into Mary Rank and tell us what a no, nat, uh, nerd you are. That Too had late. no controversy. What do you mean it had no controversy? It's like Letter Carrier leaving here. He was still a very good player, but the j- situation that the Jazz were in at the time, obviously they needed to rebuild. He doesn't need to be a part of that. It was a legendary, the most legendary guy of the franchise going to another team, and everybody understood. Well, and with the Niners and Chiefs, you knew you had a superstar quarterback who had to start playing because Joe was running out of time. This one here, they had nobody, and then he wins a Super Bowl the first year gone. That doesn't even compare. Try, 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 try again. DJ and PK. And he won't.
5: We got to go. we got to go. Hashtag college
11: football. Deep dish pizza from Chicago uh, on the bus. So it was kind of neat because it took me back to my roots as a division two head coach bus rides. You know, it's like triple A baseball. Uh, we took the bus back from Chicago
6: to South Bend and got a chance to be on the bus with the guys. So. Uh,
12: it was real. It felt great uh, to be able to celebrate it on a bus ride back to South Bend with uh, with your teammates and uh, your coaches.
0: That's noted in Coach
11: Brian Kelly on how they celebrated after they beat
0: Wisconsin. I'm not doing it. No way.
11: Field. It's a waste of calories. If I'm going for pizza, I'm going New York style thin crust. The deep dish is not nearly as good as the other stuff. So, if I'm going to pile on the calories, I'm going New York style over Chicago style. I've had it. I've been to Chicago on work. Of course, most people have been there one time or another. But I know of what he speaks, as a lot of us do. But no, I'm not going deep dish. Now, that's what you had to have. But I think that I would have passed it. Now, I'm going to wait, get the kind of pizza that I like. And deep dish versus thin crust? There is no question thin crust far exceeds I didn't grow deep up with dish. the Jeep
0: dish stuff and when I try to eat it I make a tremendous mess out of that stuff
11: why? You just eat it use a fork then
0: maybe it's too deep in the Let's dish see. and there's stuff just falling <laughs> all over the, the place the fork is your best friend with yeah, those yeah.
11: pies and yeah. you just eat it and you're good to go pizza wasn't made to be eaten with a fork of course, you won't take a stand. I'm going to tell you that thin crust is supersedes that other stuff by 4,500 so trillion, the, 6 billion miles. Do you go with the ultra thin? Thin crust pizza. There it is. Thin crust pizza. I speak. It needs no further elaboration.
0: Bulldogs quarterback JT Daniels is dealing with a lat injury ahead of number two, Georgia's top ten showdown against eighth ranked Arkansas Saturday. Head coach Kirby Smart says he expects Daniels to play. Won't be 100%,
11: but he'll be out there. So looking back, we'll say he did not sit, he never sat with the lap.
0: College football players and some other athletes in revenue producing sports at private universities are employees of their schools. The National Labor Relations Board's top lawyer said in a memo Wednesday that would allow those players to unionize and
11: negotiate over their working conditions. Yeah, they'll just get cut. So be careful on that, guys. DJ PK.
5: Hashtag NBA.
13: There's never bulletin board material because it's somebody else's narrative. It's not our narrative. Uh, I don't think we will all be here together regardless of age if we didn't believe in our ability and what we can do. Actually, it, it, it is funny because this is, the, this is the only kind of lane and genre where you got to be a certain age to be successful or be great. That's
0: Carmelo Anthony. The Lakers, they got some old guys. It's turned into a little bit of a story here in the offseason, and he wants none of it. I hope they suck this year. <laughs> They're not going to suck, are they? I guess if all the old guys get hurt, they would suck. That would be how they would Don't suck. Don't take me literally. You want them to suck. You want a 30-win Laker team.
11: Not winning the title for them is sucking.
0: It's a replay out of bounds violations in the final 2 minutes of regulation or overtime of NBA games this season will be initiated by coaches challenge rather than by referees. NBA Board of Governors approved the change on a one year trial basis. Previously, coaches could not challenge an out of bounds
11: ruling within the final 2 minutes. Well, Bob Seger had a song going to Cat I need it. he should he should updated. And we're going to see caucus. They go to see caucus. More times than you go to the buffet. That's ridiculous. I've been to Sea Caucus. You too haven't been to Sea I've been to Sea Caucus. I sent you photographical evidence that I've been to Sea Caucus. I'm tired of going to Sea Caucus at the end of NBA games. How many more times can you say Sea Caucus? Uh, how many more times are we going to hear Bowler Jack saying it? We're going to Sea Caucus. Well, we got, let's see, 82 regular season games. Right. He I mean, probably got it Monday in the first preseason game. I don't know if Secaucus will be open then. I hope not. But they go to Secaucus all the I time. Mean, too many times are going to Secaucus. Get on with it already. What's the second most famous thing about Secaucus?
0: I mean, the first is NBA reviews. What is the second? Obviously, you idiot. Thin crust pizza.
11: <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> going back to our previous bit. <laughs> It's right there. It's like two minutes away from New York City. DJ and PK.
5: Hashtag Major League Baseball. The 1-0. There's
0: a swing and a high fly ball. Out to straightaway center field. Wade back at the track. Gets to the wall. It's out of here.
3: It's gone. Great stuff. Fly ball. Right field. Myers going back to the wall. It is gone.
11: That's how
0: it Devin Williams. How many guys over the course of your sports writing and sports casting career have punched a wall and hurt themselves? Been a few, sure.
11: Yeah, I guess where you're going.
0: Add Devin Williams to the list. A lot of highlights there. One of them was the Dodgers. Charlie Steiner stunned and amazed that after blowing a four-zip lead in the first inning and trailing 9-5, the Dodgers were able to come back and win it. 11 to 9 over the Padres. They're in a race to win that division with the Giants. The Giants won. They needed to keep pace. They were down big, but they got one in the seventh and five in the eighth. And they come all the way back and win it with four home runs in the eighth inning. Look at that go. Giants beat the Dodgers. A sacrifice fly is the difference. They, Giants beat
11: the Diamondbacks. Excuse
0: me. Giants beat the Diamondbacks. Sacrifice fly is the difference. As.
11: They hold the D-backs to four hits in a one I think ring. they're 16-2 against the D-backs. So this is the D-backs' way of getting back at the Dodgers. They can't do it competitively, so we'll roll over <laughs> and play dead against the Giants.
0: So we're down to four days left in the season now. And the Giants are... Well, if you count today. Yes, I do count today. You should. Four days left in the season, and the Giants are a game and a half up. Diamondbacks are in San Francisco again tonight. San Diego's in L.A. again tonight. So there you go as that race continues. The Cardinals, we were talking about this yesterday. They won 17 in a row. But they've clinched the wild card. Nothing to play for. And the streak ends immediately. Brewers win, 4-zip. Shut them out. So the streak ends there. Blue Jays beat the Yankees 6-5. Red Sox shut out the Orioles 6-zip. So the wild card race gets a little tighter there. Big win for the Red Sox, who had dropped back a little bit from the Yankees. But the battle continues. And the Mariners beat the Athletics 4-2, so Oakland's out. Seattle still has a shot, but they got work to do. Bees lost to Tacoma 4-0. Game 2 in the series tonight at 8. Listen in the zone, beginning at 7.50. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. Bees look for try- for Anderson, Julio. Anderson, Julio. Oh, good touch to separate for the defenders. LA Galaxy, were the better team, but RSL gets the two goals and wins. You we were just talking about soccer the other day, the sport where you can be better, but you may not win. And the Galaxy, all the stats, shots, shots on goal, corner kicks, possession, all well in favor of the Galaxy, but RSL scores right before the halftime whistle on a ball that dribbled over the line by less than a foot, and then Anderson Julio in the 95th minute. Sweet. Into the fifth place they go. Minnesota lost, too, so they hopped over Minnesota in the Galaxy, but it's four teams separated by three points, so everything could get stirred up again on Saturday. Oh, this, this pennant stretch is something. Seven games left in the regular season. Mm,
11: yeah. And then we got four months of playoffs and a half a week off and we start again? Oh, almost.
0: Not quite. <laughs> You're a little off
11: there. Oh, it's not a half a week? It's half of a half? Give them like you know, two. <laughs>
0: RSL is in Austin, Saturday for a match that starts at 1.30. A rare day game.
11: Oh, so you have no excuse then. We've got to work Saturday night. Yep. Yeah. Good.
0: What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks, and Vegas Raider Radio Analyst at 8.30. And Greg Rubel, play-by-play voice of BYU at 9 o'clock. That is on tap for today. Coming up next, we will get to Hot Takes or Toast and the question of the day. Dr. Justin Johnson joining us now from Premier Wave. Doctor, how are you? Doing. So, what sets you apart from other ED clinics at Premier Wave?
9: Well, we have the uh, best equipment available. There's a new um, acoustic wave machine that just got FD approved that was approved specifically to help with uh, improvement in returning vascular function and also tissue remodeling, which is at the root causes of ED. And it's the only machine that was specifically um, made and specifically designed for erectile dysfunction. It's twice as effective, penetrates five times as deep. And then the other thing that sets us apart is we're doctor-owned, doctor-operated. We're one of the premier partners for this this machine. There's only six in the whole world, and we have one of them. And we have a really well-trained staff, and we've thought through every every process to make it comfortable for the patients.
0: Who's the best candidate for this treatment?
9: Well, mo- what most people don't understand is erectile function is a, is like a wide range, so it's not doesn't mean complete dysfunction. So there's a lot of men who may not be performing as well as they did when they're younger. So everyone who's not being as satisfied as they, they feel like they should be in the bedroom is, is a good candidate.
0: All right. So you got a special deal for folks today.
9: Yeah. So since this is a new machine. For the next uh, couple of weeks, we're offering for 12 Zone listeners. If they mention 12 eight Zone, they get $300 off the, their treatments. But For anyone who's actually tried a treatment before from any other place and not gotten the results they've wanted, we're actually offering half off to them uh, if they come in and show that they've tried it before.
0: All right. Right now is the time to give them a call. 385-360-WAVE. 385-360-WAVE. Or PremierWave.com. Online at PremierWave.com. Or call 385-360-WAVE. Thanks, Doc. Yeah, perfect. Talk to you later. The Big
5: Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson
3: the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only David Locke. Everywhere I go, what do you think of Rudy Gay and Jared Butler? And I was like, I think about Hassan Whiteside. All those conversations about Butler and Trent Forrest and Eric Pascal, the one that slides my meter of where the Jazz are and who they are is Asan Whiteside. We were horrendous defensively with Rudy off the floor last year. Like, we actually had a glaring statistical weakness defensively for 14 minutes a night, every night on a team that was the best record in the NBA. If we're, like, above average or even good, because Hassan Whiteside is one with a 7'5 wingspan. The sun white side is good. Lights out. Catch the Big Show
5: weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. In the Zone Sports Network.
0: Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair. It's 2021. And you don't have to. Utah Facial Plastics Hair Restoration offers a range of cost-cutting and cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. Got a couple questions today. First one, how acceptable is it to boo college athletes? Billy says, very. Aaron says, Unacceptable. Nick says, very acceptable. That's a dichotomy of opinion, I tend to believe. A full turn of the pendulum there. It has swung all the way back and forth. From very acceptable to absolutely unacceptable. Joey says, well, can we boo the poor coaching decisions that are then played out on the field by the players?
11: That putt at the 38 yard line, unacceptable. Okay, obviously when they line up to punt at the 38-yard line, then that's not a response to a player. It's a response to a coach who then harbors it the rest of his BYU career. I'm not naming names. (laughs) That narrowed it down, though. (laughs) That's part of what makes Broncos successful or made him successful at BYU, and he was very much successful at BYU. I'm not following him to the level, obviously, not even close at Virginia. I know they play Miami tonight, so I'll tune in, see how uh, what style earring he's wearing these days. Uh, but, yeah, boo the coaches all you want. I have a real hard time booing players. Aaron
0: says they're getting paid. They can deal with it. They're getting
11: paid. Mm.
0: David says for the NIL athletes, it's not only acceptable to boo them, but mandatory. If they're going to make a half million a year like a pro, they can get
11: booed like a pro. So how do you know who's making a half million? I would it's venture to say no one in our state list. is making a half million dollars. Oh, yeah. I would take the under on that.
0: Well, it's a, Easy. The under is zero. Yeah, I'd take you it. You can't go below zero. I'd take so it. So there
11: is no under. Zero. <laughs> There's no under. The over that, under is one. That's the under. No, but the zero is the over. I just set the freaking over under at zero. Can you hear me? Pay no. attention. No. So I don't think that anybody's even close to that. I think that so far around here has been a big nothing. Guy's getting a few bucks here and a few bucks there. What are you, old McDonald? <laughs> Old McDonald had an NIL, E I
0: E I O, <laughs>
11: and on that practice field. So, <laughs> I just have a hard time booing college kids. You know, and I was working many, many years as a grinder in the print journalism business, which is now obsolete the print journalism. Uh, including 14 glorious years at the watchdog. I had a couple players call me out for mentioning their teammates by name when they screwed up. I took it to heart. They made some mistakes, obviously, uh, but to call them out individually, they thought was uh, too much. And there's something to be said for that. I didn't blow it off when they uh, had that criticism toward me. You know, I tried to figure out ways to get the point across without directly assigning blame to a youngster who played at the college level. You can you boo all you want at the pro level, as far as I'm concerned. It's not anything I would do, but if you want to, that's fine. I think it was absolutely ridiculous to boo Jimmer Fredette every time he touched the ball when he played in this arena as an NBA player. That that was childish, and I don't mean childish Gambino either. That was ridiculous. That made no sense to me. But if you want to boo Derek Fisher because he left your team, uh, that's fine. Or if a guy gets in a scuffle with one of your guys. So then you boo him thereafter. Uh, or, and I also think it was dumb to boo somebody like Kobe Bryant. You don't poke the bear with him. <laughs> you know, there's some guys, no, you just don't do it, man. That's just adding fuel. And Kobe just came to mind as one of the top guys, certainly, of his generation and in the history of the game. That was just going to fuel him even more. So that's you have to be strategic there. So you can do all that, and I don't think you should do anything more. I don't think there should be any name-calling, any cussing, any obviously throwing of objects, anything racial. That goes without saying. Uh, The standard booing. The standard boo at the pro level, nothing I would do. Don't think it's anything you would do. But if Joe next to you wants to do it, so be it. Uh, But at the college level, because this came up where the Oklahoma fans were booing Spencer Rattler, the quarterback, for their team, and they weren't. Who I don't even remember who they played last week. Uh, was it West Virginia? West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, I know I watched the game. I, I, as I said it, I remembered, and so they weren't blowing him out because the the quarterback at uh, Oklahoma. If you're not the Heisman winner and the number and the number one pick, something's <laughs> wrong. <laughs> hey, we only one of two. You <laughs> bum. <laughs> Right? Jalen Hurts didn't get it done. but so weird. But he was it's really so against good. Oklahoma's brand for decades. Nonetheless, that's where we are now. Well, That's college football now. Yeah. Uh, so they were booing him and chanting the backup's name. Ah, man, I don't know that I really like that at the college level. And I'm sure Spencer Rattler, I know we went to high school in Phoenix, so it's a nice area bordering North Phoenix and Scottsdale, so there's some level of affluence there in that area. So I don't know that he needs the NIL, uh, but he's probably cashing in to an extent. But even still, what's he, 21 maybe? This is his third year, I think. Uh, I I just don't know if it's the right thing to do. I think it overemphasizes a sport that is already overemphasized.
0: But people have paid all that money, and they only pay all that money if they're emotionally invested. So as much as we can sit here rationally and say, I wouldn't do it, and do you really want to boo a 21-year-old kid? I mean, if you've raised a twenty-one-year-old
11: kid, do you really want to boo a twenty-one-year-old kid? I haven't, so I don't know about that. But uh, uh, yeah, if but that's if you were emotionally son, invested, so, and so what going to is that? If that's your yeah. son, what would you think? Well, you you probably wouldn't like it. I okay, mean, but you, it, would you, If that was your son and he's happened to suck that particular game, would you boo him? And you you you're emotionally invested. Now, parents are emotionally invested in their teams that their kids are on as long as their kids are playing. If they're not playing, then they want the other guy to fail miserably. So or they're looking
0: for another team.
11: Yeah. All in as long as I'm in. Oh. I'm all in as long as you're not in the way. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, Brewer couldn't get out of here fast enough. They had a hell of a spring game. He'll go down. I think they should retire his number just based on the spring game. I think it was like 87 of 87. I think he was 87 of 86. There was that one pass he wasn't even trying to complete. That's how good he was in that spring game. You told me he was really good. That spring game? (laughs) (laughs) He was. Before you go on the air with these things, would you check with me? (laughs) I'm not getting into it. (laughs) People listen for us to get into it. That's part of the fun. You're contractually obligated now. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> You're the straight guy. So people don't realize how hard it is to play the straight guy, by the way. They just they don't. It it, it, it takes a town. Ta- I can pop off and say anything anytime. Ah, ha ha blah blah blah. But the straight guy, I actually think is harder. Well then I should get paid more. Well, that's not up to me, but if it were, I would. Yeah, and you it. would. Sure. Sure, why not?
0: Go ahead. What really ticked you off was a question to Frank. And it was a question. It was actually posed as, It's 15-15 in the spring game. So only he 15 lit up against Weaver. Yeah. We only, lit, he he up only against played against the first against Weaver. So is this guy really going to be all that or it was a spring game and it was Weaver. And Frank said, it was a spring game and it was Weaver, although his mechanics are Awesome. Um, See, but you, 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 had, you, had, you had
11: warm feelings toward him. It's okay. I had no feelings towards him. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you had warm feelings. <laughs> I mean, this goes right there with Armin Gilliam, Caleb no, Rapp, oh, not and Charlie Brown.
0: No, 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 no. Okay. Number one, and it's not close. What's and that? you should agree this. Put the shit down. The one I no. need to wear. Yes. The one I need to wear is Armand Gilliam, and it's not close. No, but that... That was... I was legitimately out of my mind. but...
11: That one I have to wear. I was legitimately out of my mind. but if you know the backstory, it's completely acceptable. The Jazz sign, Armand Gilliam. Right. You're an old PC2A Big West dude. He played at UNLV. Tark is your hero. When we had on Danny Tarkanian, I, I... it was like you were talking to God himself. I mean, you and I were making fun of it leading up to the interview. We're thinking this is going to suck cuz you're going to take over, you're going to go nuts cuz he was your guy and you knew Tark and he knew you. So, of course, it was understandable if Armin Gilliam had played in the Big 10, you wouldn't have batted an eyelash about him. I had it I had years he of didn't. I had years of NBA career to course correct and I didn't. No. But you because you went back to your younger day and you were blinded by love. I was. Who hasn't been blinded by love? <laughs> Every single one of us has been blinded by love. So the Armin Gilliam mistake in retrospect was obvious because you had a big time justifiably bias. So yes, it was a huge reach, but you had a connection. That's how it happened. Right. But, but so you a, weren't thinking straight in the moment.
0: Happened. I should have been thinking now straight.
11: Now you've been thinking straight with Charlie Brewer, and you blew it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I asked Frank a question, and you... you and you did not phrase you, it that way. You I you went rota- back and listened to the question. 90 degrees. I went back and listened to the question. It was not just a simple... You can say it was a question. It was. But boy, how about that Charlie Brewer? That was the essence of the question. Yes, it was a question, but it was, it was so slow. Planted. It's like what Yuck. I Just went back and listened to it. Clip the yes, it was a question and get rid of everything else. <laughs> I listened to okay. finally it acknowledged it was, it was a question. What was lo- what was known in the business as a loaded question. Yeah. And believe me, I've asked many loaded, loaded questions. questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an expert at loaded questions. I bait most BYU players to saying dumb things. And I lead them down the path, and and they follow through. Holding the hand. Yeah. As Crystal Hall... If I let her son and baited her son. And the answer was resoundingly yes. Except he already said he went into the room. Irregardless. But see, that's the point. That's her son. So she's biased. I fully understand that. (laughs) There's a connection there. Obviously, you gave birth to the young man. So you have a deep, probably the most deep-rooted connection you could possibly have. I've never given birth. I've never procreated. I don't know anything about that stuff. So I I can't tell you about that. There is I have not sired an offspring so I cannot speak to that. <laughs> God. I haven't <laughs> like you turn yourself into sired a and offspring. <laughs> do you you spent as much you time as me? OTB and the track as I have as a do kid. You, wanna, you would know that's the way. Wanna, he, that's his background. That, that's that's my point. Armand Gilliam was your background. I read enough about Del Mar, even though we didn't go.
0: I read enough. I get it. I'm just at this point. Are you Seattle Slu or are you Secretariat? What,
11: what are you Aladar or are you? Well, there's, there's Secretariat and there's nobody else. Uh, Okay, there's others, but not even receiving votes. <laughs> They're in a whole separate pool. Secretariats 1 through 25 and all the others receiving votes. Then on the UPI, if you want to go there. Oh, wow. This is old school. Yeah. Now. There's, there's coaches poll people. There's the poll that if you want to go what there. What is a UPI, people are asking. So, of <laughs> course, she's going to have a bias. Of course, you're going to have a bias. But would it have been appropriate to boo Charlie Brewer? Even though it was a hoax, and I tried to save you, but sometimes it doesn't work. I try my best, and you still fall for line. it. line I don't see where you should be booing Charlie Brew. No boo on the brew. Now, how about if the quarterback runs out there, like last year? Don't like, be a booer of brewer? That's nice. That's decent. I'll give you that. When they run out, if they would have run out Jake Bentley, sometime is it a boo as opposed to bringing in Drew Lisk and Lisk comes in, they win the ball game, and everybody goes away happy in last year's silly season. Uh, If you boo if Bentley starts to go out there, are you booing the coaches for not making the change? Because one time I can recall specifically they booed Croton for making the change when was, he was playing three quarterbacks, yeah, who's going in this series? Yeah, let me see. Uh, let's do rock paper scissors. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. I can remember. And so they really I, were booing the decision. Right, it really it, was I a think it was, scratcher.
0: Uh, uh, and yet, some player has to run out there. Right, right. So you're not the booing the kid, except the players at that point are probably also going, What are you
11: doing? Oh, I know there? they were. <laughs> yeah, so I think it was they had pulled Ingham in and they brought in Lance Pendleton, and it was a home game. And when Pendleton started running out on the field to start the possession after the kickoff or punt or whatever it was, you heard boos in the crowd. And I think there was more along the lines of the decision as opposed to the individual. And the kid's standing there. You're going in. All right, I'm going in. Yeah. So he goes in. So you can't really blame the kid. But I don't have any problem. The coaches making big-time money, they're all... More than grown men, right? I mean, men, most of them are 40s, 50s, whatever it might be. And so certainly that's acceptable. I totally agree with that. So sometimes there's a boo, but it's not completely directed towards the player. It's directed, as you said earlier in the segment, it's booed toward the coaching decision. That's got to be that fine, mo- right? I find that more acceptable. I find it 100% acceptable. Yeah. I would never boo, but if that's what right. you want to do, so that's, that's fine. Because we
0: wouldn't do it, there's some level of
11: unacceptable. Uh, but as long as it's a boo, but, it's simply a boo. But I'm we're okay bad, with it.
0: We are bad test cases for this now because you cover games. Yeah, you but go I, d- so I wasn't games. like this when I was yeah, in my 20s. That's true. though. Yeah, that's I true. sat
11: there and watched the game. In my 10s, in my teens, <laughs> I sat there and watched the game. In your 10s, pre teens, <laughs> as an 11 and 12 year old. <laughs> right. I watched a lot of sports. I mean, 11- and 12-year-olds, I'm watching the Jets and Giants virtually every week. Right? I'm watching Yankee Mets, Knicks. I'm constantly watching. You had a lot of stuff on TV. Yeah. And the funny thing, I never rooted for any of them. I had network stuff. I didn't have the local stuff. But But I did root
0: for. And the Padres had like six games on TV all year. (laughs) Only Well, we had a game every
11: day. (laughs) Weekend games from LA. Because one team was home. They only did road games back then. Well, there was always a team on the road. Right? Yep. That's the way they schedule it if you have two. One's gone, one's home. So I had a game every single day. I never was a... a die-hard win-and-lose fan, even as a 10-year-old, I wasn't. But I watched the games, and I would just watch the games for the enjoyment of the games. And I, n- I never thought to myself to boo. So, uh, obviously, now, anybody who's been in the business 30 years, if you're still emotionally invested, you are you, you a have rare the, you, person. You are very rare. You have yeah. the emotional investment
0: beaten out of you. Right. It just goes away. People don't understand that. The game is over, and you just move on. Right. Yeah, like, okay, But that's but what happens when you got a... Cover multiple yeah. games
11: per day and you feel nothing. That,
0: and who has that energy but every single day? You feel grateful
11: to have the gig. That's what you feel grateful for, that you actually get paid to do this and other people are doing it as their leisure and you're, you're yep. grateful for that. Like that Beck to Harleen, uh, that play, oh, whoa, that was something. But then that was it. That's it. It's over. I mean, and the Cougar fans went justifiably berserk, Uh was a once in a lifetime play. I like that. And so, wow, you know, that, that I'll give you that. Uh, but if you wanted to, you can't really boo the Cougars dropped eight. And I can remember they took, or the Utes dropped eight, and they took so much heat for dropping eight when the year before they dropped eight in a similar, exact same situation, a last play type thing, and I think that might have been overtime, and they won the game. It was the exact same. Yeah. Circus defense. Yeah. So this year they did. Rush rush two, drop
0: nine, and the next year the third guy Step top.
11: Goes way back. Scrambled around. Shuffling, shuffling, shuffling. Yes. Plenty of time, plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy who made the call. Was that Rubes? Yeah. You got a verbatim. Absolutely. Well yeah. done. Oh, yeah. It was a great, great it call. Was, no, yeah. he nailed it. Yeah, it was, it was spot on. Happened to have a it was, certain. And he's coming on at 9 o'clock. <laughs> and Ralph in the background squealed like a little girl, but he's apologizing. <laughs> if you're going to squeal, that's the play to squeal. I was going to say, there's one that. Yeah, that's understandable. It's got to be that or Stockton shot. What else have you got?
0: Uh, except on that, they had another game. They did, but it's still a heck of a comeback in the last two minutes when we all thought it was going to Game 7. If you would said Game 7 with five minutes left in that game, everyone would have said, well, yeah, obviously.
11: Look yeah, at this yeah, board. yeah. That's worth an exclamation. I agree. All
0: right, Greg Bell's here at 9.05, Lincoln Kennedy at 8.30. And as long as we're talking jazz, we do have a jazz question up, and we will get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone.
5: This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
8: If Blake Anderson in his first year at Utah State beats a top 13 ranked BYU Cougar team in Logan, it would be overly devastating to Provo. And can you think of the chaos that would ensue in Logan?
6: You'll never pay for another lunch or dinner Oh my gosh! And cash in in year did. one? In year one yeah. against oh. a 4-0 ranked 13th team.
8: There's not a win on his schedule that will do more for him yes. in that city. Could you imagine imagine John Hartwell just made this hire, and this guy comes in in his first year, beats Washington State, a Pac-12 team, gets his team to a 3-1 start, and then knocks off his in-state rival? It would be insanely big.
5: Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network.
0: Football Fridays presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. All right, question of the day, part two. The Jazz are in Las Vegas. Well, briefly. (laughs) They're almost done now. But how much can this team bonding in Las Vegas help the Jazz? A little. Why? Teams do have to bond. I mean, you are a team in a free-flowing sport. This isn't baseball where it's stop, start, stop, start. One guy goes up to the plate and does his thing by himself. You know, There needs to be a connection and a bond and all that. Now, is there some magic about going to Vegas? No. Does team bonding automatically happen over three days? I think when it's real... You never know exactly when or where or why it happens, but it does have to happen. And there's some logic to, hey, we get away, there are no distractions, and guys can really get to know each other. But that's kind of built into the NBA anyway with the 41 road games. So team chemistry is something they need to build. I don't see how you can magically say,
11: we got to go to Vegas, it's going to happen do you need to bond in order to win the title? Because this team is built to win the title. Anything less is a disappointment. Even though, as Quinn Snyder said on his content day address, that uh, you know at best the the team that's favored is going to be 20%, which means there's an 80% chance it's not going to happen, obviously. So uh, statistically the odds are overwhelming that it's not going to happen. Do you need to bond to win the title? That's what I would ask. Is this Vegas thing, whether it's Vegas or wherever, fill in the blank, uh, is it necessary? The only thing I can come up with is it can't hurt. Is it necessary? No, I never played the game and I know all those people are gonna say all that. You're right. I never played the game. I'm not gonna pretend that I played the game. I don't know anything about it. I was a lousy athlete. I can't dribble, I can't shoot, I can't pass. Nobody told me to shut up and dribble because I can't.
0: <laughs> you can't not dribble. Over you're myself. way more way more coordinated than you're letting on. <laughs> uh, but that's what I, they think. So I know, but I've seen you
11: I've seen you play basketball. Uh, no, now You'd be an okay player to pick up, Jim. You'd be I, fine. I set a screen. They called me Rick to pick. Uh, I've seen you drill an open 17-footer. Oh, well, luckily, it went in. It was straight yeah, away. Yeah, but it, and so it looked good whether it went in or not. I'd like to think of my uh, baseline hook. It's
0: not like your elbow with some chicken wing <laughs> stuck out over there and you took the ball back behind your head and flung it 30 feet in the air It looked like a shot.
11: I don't think it's necessary, but if they think it's necessary or they think it's going to help, I'm all for it. Because part of this is psychological, and in their minds, if they think this is something that is going to be good, then do it. I don't think it matters. I, when they're in the postseason, they're going to need to play well. I don't think you need to be boys, because the reality is these guys aren't boys. They act like they're boys. But if you're friends, then there'd be no need for a reunion. And if they win the title in 20 years, they're going to have a reunion. So let's hope they have a reunion. (laughs) Uh, But if you're with each other and you're friends, people can just go their separate ways over time. Especially nowadays with foreign guys. They're absolutely good. I mean, Joe's talked ways. a million times how when I'm it's done, he's going, going on to Australia. And I don't blame him. I, that's where he belongs.
0: And it's not like everybody else is going to Australia with him. Right.
11: So, I want them to bond on the floor. I don't care if they're buddies. I don't think they need to be buddies. But if they think they need to be buddies, and they think this is worth it, then I'm all for it. They need to learn how to play together. And really, the nucleus of the team has returned... So it's Asan Whiteside and Rudy Gay. Those are the two we would think. And then uh, Conley's probably not going to play 82. So who's it going to be? Right now, Forrest. I don't know about the, the young rookie. He did not play in the summer league. So uh, we'll have to see. I would think right now Forrest has a leg up, but I don't know. Uh, well, to be sorted out. Yeah. You're not going to sort that out in Vegas either way. No, you're not. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> Quinn has his ideas, but he was just talking about it the other day, and he hedged, complimented both
11: guys like you would expect when you still them played the a preseason Yeah. Game. Well, this is competition, so if it's between those two, who's ever the better dude and the most productive? There are no favorites. Uh, you don't care what their background is, what they look like. None of that stuff matters. It's who's going to help you win. That's the great thing about pro sports. Who's going to help you win? That's the only thing that matters, man. Or other things matter, but that's the most important thing because that's what they're charged to do win as many games as you possibly can and win in the playoffs. And if they think Vegas is going to help them, great. I don't see the need for it, but if they think it is, then I support it
0: 100%. Well, they won't be the only team bonding. Other teams are trying to bond too. And the reason that the favorite is still only going to have an 18 or 20 or 23% chance or whatever to win the title is because there's lots of good teams out there. And they're all bonding. They're all trying
11: to get that little extra edge. It'll and I think the Lakers have more bonding. If you have a bunch of changes, then, then I the think that stuff... the bonding becomes more. Yes. Meh, more and they don't have that many changes. Why are you... going don't need to change the best record you add to it, and they believe they've added to it in a positive way. And I think they have, too. But that's the great thing about it, man. We don't have to worry about the schedule and the unfairness and going to caucus. and Mike Jones is reffing this game, so look out. He has a personal vendetta. All that stuff is a bunch of nonsense. DJ and PK, it's
0: 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Lincoln Kennedy joins us at 8.30. Pac-12 network analyst, Raider radio analyst. The Raiders are 3-0 heading into a big Monday night football game. And we got him coming up at 8.30, and then also to talk about the Pac-12, which, man, we know the North got off to a, a bad start, but now the North looks like the better of the two divisions. Who is, who's going to rep the Pac-12 well? We will talk with Lincoln Kennedy coming up at 8.30. Greg Rubel is here at 9 o'clock to talk BYU and Utah State. Dr. Johnson joining us now from Premier Wave, and they have got a, uh, a new high-end machine. And can you explain how come this business and industry have been around, and yet this is a brand-new machine? What, what is the difference? What has happened?
9: Well, this new machine just barely got FDA approved. And basically, you know, erectile dysfunction treatments are fairly new new uh, side of medicine, it's really only been in existence maybe five to seven years. This machine actually took 10 years to develop and it was actually specifically developed for erectile dysfunction. The other machines, while they work okay, they weren't really developed for erectile dysfunction. They were developed first for like plantar fasciitis or knee pain, arthritic things. And they just discovered that it had some effect on erectile dysfunction, but this one was specifically designed for erectile dysfunction. And so what it does is it penetrates deeper because there's a lot of areas in the uh, erectile tissue that can't actually be reached by the other machines because they only penetrate an inch to an inch and a half, the, the acoustic wave power. This actually penetrates six inches so it can get to those places that can't be reached by the other machines.
0: So it's a sensitive subject, obviously. What would you tell the guys who are on the fence about this treatment?
9: You know, I know a lot of people are kind of sitting there like, hey, should I do it or should I I not do it? But my question is why not do it? Because you don't need to suffer with it. So many men suffer with this. You know, 50% of men over 50 have some sort of erectile dysfunction, and actually 25% of men who are 30 or older have erectile dysfunction. So there's no need to deal with it. You can come in, get it done. It's painless. It works exceedingly well, and you can get back to having – you know, better relations with your significant other.
0: So who's the best candidate for the treatment?
9: So there's a wide variety of men who suffer from erectile dysfunction. As I said, it can start even as early as 25 years old. And erectile dysfunction does not mean complete loss or use of the ability to get an erection. There's a lot of, you know, in-between things where you're maybe not quite getting as good an erection as before or you're not performing as well as you should. This can get anyone can benefit from this.
0: And you got a special offer for people who call right now.
9: Yes. So if you mention twelve eighty the zone, we'll give you three hundred dollars off your treatments. But what we're really excited about is this is such an effective treatment that if you've tried other treatments before and have not been satisfied with results, we will give you half off of our treatment package because we're so confident that you'll get results with this.
0: The number to call is 385-360-WAVE. That's 385-360-9283. 385-360-WAVE. Or find them online at PremierWave.com. Thanks, Doc. Yeah, thanks. Good talking to you. TG and PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. PK technology. Changing the way we do things. And some people are going to scoff at this. But back to my childhood... The All-Star Game came to San Diego when I was in high school. Which sport? Baseball. Padres got to host it. Maybe I was in junior high, but I think it was in high school. And they opened the stadium to watch the All-Stars take batting practice on Monday. Uh-huh. It was the first time they'd ever done that. So no home run derby then? There's no home run derby. There's no... Celebrity softball games, there's no skill contests, there's nothing. There were players, before that, there were players taking BP in an empty stadium. And they were stunned to see a crowd of, I can't remember what it was, 30,000 or something like that. A lot of people showed up. And off that, they start building momentum. (laughs) No, it would have been to the stadium they just tore down. (laughs) And off that... They start thinking and building, and and all-star games, not just in baseball, but in every sport, become multi-day events. Flash forward to now, and the Jazz have recently released information that they're going to do something kind of along those lines. And I think some people will roll their eyes, but I don't think you should roll your eyes. I think they're on to something here. Big time.
11: Absolutely big time. Go ahead.
0: So they're going to zoom a practice. Now, is it a real practice, and once you put a camera on it, do you change the behavior? Probably. <laughs> Does it look like other practices? Probably not. Is the coach going to be careful with what he says and what exactly they work on while the is on? Probably. But I think the danger with all sports is they're getting – further and further removed from the consumer. And the bond, the feel-good, isn't what it was. It's big business, and money changes stuff the same way cameras change stuff. Anything that a team tries, even if it fails, but if they try because they're trying to bring their fans and make a connection, it's worth a try. Going back to our couple segments ago that on booing, Fans don't feel the connection. It becomes much more transactional. We had a bunch of people on Facebook and Twitter saying, oh, yeah, they're making a lot of money off NIL. They're making money. They can be booed. It becomes much more transactional. I give you money. Entertain me now. Entertain me. That's what sports are. That's not really the vibe we're going for when we go into a stadium. If that's the vibe going in, something's already out of kilter. Hey, this is going to be fun. I can't wait to see this game. Maybe somebody will do something I haven't seen before. Well, wow me.
11: Yeah, I think in the football sense, it's to don't underestimate the simple bonding with the people you go with.
0: Yes, football more than yeah. other sports. Other sports have that. But that whole tailgate, yeah. there's only 12 college games or 17 NFL games. And the games are usually on a weekend. Obviously not always. It's
11: a family and friends affair and it's yes. an all day deal. Yep. And so that's that's the
0: way a Wednesday night baseball or basketball game can't be.
11: Right, you got to go to work. It's, it's a great experience, particularly when you get uh, an opportunity or this time of year when the weather's sensational. The weather's good,
0: and you get to hang out yeah, with people.
11: That's fun. The game isn't completely and totally a byproduct, but to an extent, it is. Certainly, the tailgating and the hanging out. People go up Friday nights or Saturday early mornings, depending on when the game starts, to set themselves up, and they do. And they've been doing it for years, and they look forward to it. It's like I told you, BYU, Utah State, Friday before a church conference. It just feels right because it's natural. They've been doing it for so many years. That's the way it's supposed to be. And same thing here with the home games and all that stuff. And it's a lot of fun. The NBA has a different thing in that way with uh, the weeknight games and so forth. Uh, but you will see as the playoffs come out on the plaza here in which the building in which we're in at Vivint, you'll see folks milling around and all that. That's a lot of fun, too, at that point when we get to there in a few, uh, several months in the spring. Uh, but for the Jazz to Zoom this practice, I think it's a genius idea on a couple of levels. Here you've got COVID now, too, and it's still out there, obviously, and still very much a factor in day-to-day life. And so that takes away, because they used to have a live practice So I don't know if this is a substitute for an open practice, Mm -hmm. I should say, uh, that uh, people can go to. Does this take the place of that? And they're going to be doing that. And I'm sure they'll have some stuff within the Zoom, and they're going to have 50,000. And uh, I don't really know how it works specifically, if it's a first-come, 1st serve type thing. But my guess is they'll have many, many thousands of people, if not the entire 50,000, who will want to take – uh, a look to see how it's going. Is it going to be at the arena? I'd actually like it at the practice field, or field, the practice facility, I mean, because a lot of people haven't been there. We've been there a million times. Yep. Everybody's been to the arena, and if you haven't been to the arena, you've seen it on television. Well, they don't have anything that's on television at the practice site, so give the folks an opportunity to see just literally physically what that looks like. And to be able to see that, if you're a hardcore fan, it's like you have these these ballparks, have these tours. A friend of ours that we just spent some time with last weekend, she took her daughter to law school in Boston, and the Sox were out of town. She wanted to see Fenway. Well, she took the tour of Fenway. <laughs> mm-hmm. There right? you go. Right. So at least if you can't go to a game, they have tours when the team's not even on t- And actually, I took the tour The morning of the time I went to the ballpark started at 10 o'clock, and he had to get it weeks in advance. (laughs) People want to see that stuff. There was a (laughs) time
0: late in his career, Carl had one of his off-season things and offended people. I can't remember exactly what it was. And it's kind of the makeup. He decided to open the arena, and he brought a bunch of his memorabilia down. It was a huge hit. People were lined up all the way around the bottom ring, and they were walking. They got to walk out. They had a carpet down on the floor. You got to walk across the free throw line. People waited patiently in line a long time to be a part of that. Oh,
11: yeah. They do baseball. That you're, like If you're a kid, they let you run the bases after a game. Awesome. And uh, then you get to go down there. And, and, you know, for us, been down on fields and whatnot. But for the average fan, and particularly for the fan who doesn't have the big bucks, because they cater to the big bucks. People have the big bucks, and you can go behind the scenes more for sure. And I know last year they've had some Zoom stuff when the team was out on the road uh, with uh, either advertisers or season ticket holders, whatever it might be. In a lot of the cases, they're the same folks. And so they had some interaction there that I was aware of. And here, for the average person, which that's the meat and potatoes of the fans because I would think, anyway, most of them are like me. You know, you got a job. You're grateful for the job. Uh, you're making a decent living, but you're not rich. So you don't really have the access, and you can't do anything with that. But for the average fan, then, that's who they are. Get an opportunity, if they have it at the practice site, just to see what it's about. And I applaud them for being innovative, trying to connect. Yeah, it's going to be at the practice facility. And so that would be a lot of fun just to see. The I mean, it's not like it's awesome. It's a, a they got several baskets. I don't know. They got 10 baskets, whatever it might be. Uh, and so to, to take you behind the scenes a little bit, that's the way to go to make that connection. Yeah, for sure. And you got a lot of guys on this team that are personable in that respect. And they can have Mitchell can talk. Conley's about as solid dude as you're going to get. Joe thrives in those situations. <laughs> Joe. You know what I mean? I mean, Yeah, just, I do. He's a pig in mud there, and Gobert has been interviewed enough, and and especially for someone as a second language, I mean he's he's real good. Uh, Clarkson, have you done this very much? Yeah, a, a lot. lot. <laughs> <laughs> right? Bogdanovich is fine with his English. Yeah. Uh, so no, Bogan can be quite accommodating and personable. Yeah, yeah. So he's it's like you say, they got a lot of that. Right, So get them there. Get the fans. Any form of connection. And and I think with with Smith being this, what would you say, uh, tech-savvy minimum, uh, that this is just the start.
0: Good, because they need something to replace what they had that's just been lost over time. Some by design. Some some has been orchestrated. Some has just kind of happened as a byproduct of other stuff. You know, you used to kind of get to know the players, newspaper writers, for all the ink-stained wretches who were tough grinders after the truth. And they, they, wrote, a lot of, they wrote a lot of features. And you can say they're fluff or whatever, but people like that stuff. There's nothing wrong with it, as long as you're still doing all the other stuff. You know, team goes on a losing streak. Well, you got to figure out why the team's on a losing streak. But that's been, that's been lost. And then the general interaction around town is way down. You know, you go to a previous generation, people knew Carl Malone because everybody knew he ate lunch at the Judge Cafe. When he was uh, new in town, he wasn't married with kids yet and all that, and he would, as a bachelor, he would just go eat at the Judge Cafe. It was before you and I were here, but we've heard about we've heard this story from a I lot. Had kids. And all the people, well, you're right, in Louisiana, <laughs> um, and all the people who are eating in the Judge see him coming in, and on some level, they feel like they know him. And they know one thing about his life, where he goes to get lunch. But it's still this connection. And it must have mattered to people because enough people have told you and I. Oh, for sure. The funny thing right. is the more but, you
11: do that, the more freedom you have.
0: I know, right? Because it becomes normal and they don't do and awe and go crazy over you. Right. It's like, well, here comes Carl. It's a game day and he's going to get whatever salad, chicken thing you right, know, always got. Right. right. right? Yeah. yeah.
11: So the more you put but, yourself out there, the more freedom you but, have. But as they build these better
0: practice facilities and they want to help these guys with their diets, all of a sudden the guys are eating... Breakfast and lunch in the facility, they're not eating it out around town. You don't don't see guys the same way. They're in the facility in the morning, and they got film, and whatever time on the training table working on whatever injury at practice, and their individual work. Yeah, that's fine. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Right, but it's just stuff changes over time, and those connections are lost. you got to find another way to build those connections. They're not going to stop feeding guys lunch over there and turn them out on the town just because that's the way it was done in the 80s. So you need a, a different opportunity for people to connect. And we'll find out how many people are really interested in this practice. And is this something that's going to be repeated, or is it just kind of a one-time deal?
11: Yeah, I remember that time that they, they had me go over and talk to the players, but it wasn't about basketball. That's right. where I got to know Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them, uh, I would ask a question, and they would swallow their barbecued beef sandwich and then answer. <laughs> <laughs> cuz we did it right over there <laughs> and they were eating and
0: talking uh-huh
11: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they would uh, they'd eat and we they I wasn't eating but they were they were, were. yeah uh, uh, and yeah so they cuz they have the stuff right over there and show that fireplace at the at the end of it to see how and and are just a workout room you know just uh what the workout room is just south of the actual gym and just uh I don't I don't know if they're going to do all that but I would think fans would love that kind of stuff now more than ever, uh, because the team's going to be good. Yeah, you know, how good they're going to be? Regular season, really good. Playoff, good. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we're Still waiting. We're still waiting on that. And we got all fall, summer, and winter. And I guess there's, we don't maybe a little bit of summer, but uh, fall. There's going to be spring. at least
0: six teams in the West that you had figured win fifty yeah. games, and that means at least two of them have to go out in the first round and. Two more have to go out in the second round. And because the Jazz have done both of those things, those will probably be considered disappointments if it happens to the Jazz. And
11: I think it's a smart move, too, in a sense, to try to create a bond. There's a player here, and we don't want to discuss it, but we've already heard about him staying long-term. Right? Might have heard a word or two about that. (laughs) So, bond him... To them and them to him as much as possible. Because we know Stockton got with Hayward and said you can build a legacy. And John was right. He was a hundred percent right. Because now he's just a Vagabond. You went to Boston, you got injured, they got other players. You went to Charlotte. Yeah, you're gonna get your thirty mil uh, a year, but when you're done, what connection are you going to take from it? Not. Whereas Not if you would have stayed here this whole time. Ty Detmer. You
0: would have had your friggin' jersey when retired. Ty wasn't taking the offensive coordinator job, but he was getting asked about it because he was coaching high school, he was getting successful, and people were connecting the dots they wanted to connect. I don't know. It's great to have a place to go back where you're loved. He was right. Oh, for sure, he yeah. was right. It is great, even even if Gordon decides, hey, I'm gonna <clears throat> retire to San Diego because I like 71 oh, got degrees. A house there. Right, he's got a place there. Or I'm going back to Indiana to be around there, or wherever, uh, Florida, whatever. It's great to have a place to go back to.
11: Secaucus. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going <laughs> back to caucus. <laughs> <laughs> Franklin Lakes, then, that's a real upscale area. Course, that
0: sounds better than Secaucus. <laughs> Secaucus, I, don't, I I saw the sign, but I didn't go there. Secaucus just sounds like warehouses. I don't know.
11: It's very industrial.
0: Franklin Lakes does sound, might be a nice executive nine I there. Think, There's some trees. I know
11: Van Horn lived there. I think Phil Sims lived there. You type well, that's in That's pretty much Lakes all you
0: need to, I'll look, I'll look it up in the break. It's big money. DJ and PK, we are joined now by Dr. Justin Johnson. He is with Premier Wave, and uh, you're here talking about ED today. It is a sensitive subject. What would you tell guys that are on the fence about getting this treatment?
9: Well, you know, to follow up with your discussion about making a connection, we're all about helping guys make a connection. So sometimes as you get a little older, you can't quite make that connection as well as you could. We're here to help because we can reverse that and correct that, so you can make the connection you've always wanted to make.
0: <laughs> so you've got a uh, you've got a, a new technology that uh, has improved the results. How does this work?
9: Yeah, so they've taken ten years to develop this, but essentially what it does is it uses acoustic wave therapy, much like the other machine, but in a different way. There's different waveforms. This uses a column waveform which lets it penetrate deeper. So it penetrates five times as deep as the old treatment modalities, so it gives you more than two times better results. It basically is a quantum leap in technology. It's like going from a dial-up phone to a smartphone, an iPhone 13.
0: So when you talk to your patients, what do you hear about the results? What do they say?
9: Oh, we've had, we've had it for about a month now. We've treated a lot of patients and we've gotten phenomenal results. I've actually been surprised myself because we've had people who had the treatment before with other modalities and not gotten good results and they've gotten results right off the, right off the bat. We've had people within two or three treatments because there's a six treatment series gotten, started to get results right off the bat. So we've been really Hopping and impressed with the new technology.
0: And you got a special deal for people who call and mention the zone.
9: Yeah, so if they call and mention the zone, uh, 1280 the zone, they will get $300 off their treatments. But if they also call and say, hey, I've tried this before, haven't gotten the results I wanted, we will give them half off of the treatments because we feel so confident that they'll get good results with our new machine.
0: You can call Premier Wave at 385-360-WAVE, 385-360-WAVE, 385-360-9283. And find them online at PremierWave.com. Thanks, Doc. Yeah, thanks. Good talking to you.
10: Now let's get this party started.
5: This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
8: If Blake Anderson, in his first year at Utah State, beats a top 13 ranked BYU Cougar team in Logan, it would be overly devastating to Provo. And can you think of the chaos that would ensue in Logan?
6: You'll never pay for another lunch or dinner. Oh my god. Well in cash year one? In year one against a 4-0 oh. ranked 13th team.
8: There's not a win on his schedule that will do more for. Him. Him, yes, in that city. Could you imagine John Hartwell just made this hire and this guy comes in in his first year, beats Washington State, a Pac 12 team, gets his team to a three and one start, and then knocks off his in state rival? It would be insanely big.
5: Hanson scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280, the zone in the zone sports network.
13: Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, guys, with all the initials. DJ, PK, ESPN, everything else that's going on. So how you guys doing
11: today? <laughs> Pretty good, LK. We're good. There <laughs> you go.
13: See? <laughs> DJ, it, rolls, it just rolls right off. <laughs> DJ, PK, and LK together again. <laughs> all yeah. day. Here we go. That's all good.
0: <laughs> 3-0. How long will the dream last? Got a Monday night game coming up with the 2-1 and Chargers. I mean, it's early to say it's a big game, but... It's a division game by two teams that are off the good start, so it's certainly interesting, even if you want don't
11: want to put well, the big game
0: gigantic. label on it.
13: Gigantic? Well, I, I do. Yeah. Game yeah. four.
0: Monday night we game. Got, we got
13: gigantic early in the, in the first yeah. month of the season. Yeah, look, look, for the most part, guys, I will say this, even though the Raiders are 3-0, and they still have a number of holes on both sides of the ball, and all facets of the ball. And they've made a, you know, a few games interesting, way more interesting than they should have been. But uh, the Chargers are a good football team. And I've, I've thought all this season um, that, uh, you know, this is probably one of the more competitive, more difficult divisions in all of football. Um, so, I, I, you know, I just figured that these teams are going to beat up on each other, probably take advantage of home field advantage uh, throughout the season. So it, it's going to be a big test for the Raiders coming into, into Los Angeles and playing the Chargers.
11: Yeah, the way I look at this from the Raider perspective, I mean, the Chargers are a challenger, but you look at somebody like Carr and Waller, I mean, they're outstanding. I mean, Carr is just kicking butt. But in that division, you know, we think of Mahomes and Kelsey, two two players at those positions. So here's a chance on national television, literally no other games going on, as we know, that they can really show the world, hey, particularly these two guys, we're just as good if not better because it seems like there's a little crack going on with the Chiefs
13: yeah I mean look I, I'm one of those guys because I lived through it that believes in the words Super Bowl hangover I'm not coming into the season I didn't think the Chiefs were going to be able to make a run this year I thought the rest of the AFC have caught up with them enough to where the Chiefs might be down. Now I'm not gonna say that they're gonna have like a four and twelve record like I did uh, when I when I played the year after the Super Bowl. But I think that there's there's a little bit of a bigger chink in the armor, if you will. But that being aside, when it comes to the Chargers and and playing the game, you know Gruden, who's typically a conservative coach is going to have his hands full because if he doesn't find a way to look the the running games, not where they want it by week four. At, at any stretch of the imagination. The running game is not there. The offensive line is still a process in work. And the scheme is still a, a work in, process, in progress, I should say. Um, but it's, it's, it's not where they want it. So they're going to have to find a way to find other ways to control the time of possession. Because for what it's worth, Justin Herbert and this offensive unit for the Chargers has gotten progressively better. And they have weapons. So it's not like you want to turn the ball over to them and get into a shootout. But it might very well look like one of the old uh, Raider versus Kansas City games over the last couple of years, where it is an offensive shootout.
0: So I'm really over the last few years really bought in the idea that you kind of tiptoed around right there. You, you alluded to it that a work in progress. That's what the NFL is. It was really on full display with the Bucks last year, who were clearly yeah. a better team in November than they were in September, and they were clearly a better team in January than they were in November. And I think this goes against what a lot of fans think. Hey, these guys are pros. They're at the height of their profession, and they go out and do it. But these teams have got to improve. Can winning football in September win later? Or even the teams that start off 3-0 and have got to be better in December and January.
13: There was, um, I'm trying to remember which coach said it, but in my my playing days, if you win in November, December, you play in January. And so there's a rhythm. Uh, Gruden was always about separating the season and quarters. This is the first quarter. The first four games is the first quarter. Depends on how you come out. Now, right now, the Raiders are sitting in a good situation, being three and zero. They've beaten three teams that had at least ten wins last year. Uh, two of them were playoff teams. They're going up against another good football team that's always played them well because they're in the division. And you know, I think it is you know no 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 definitive strike against Anthony Lynn, but his coaching staff over the last couple of years just mismanaged the Chargers in closing out games. That's one of the reasons why their record was there, what it was. But with that being said, going forward, they've gotten a rhythm about themselves. They've gotten a rhythm, especially to where they are right now at 2-1. and one. This is going to be a difficult task. One, You know, because it's the Raiders and the Chargers, and they've always been historically challenging towards one another. We've always played challenging games when we played one another. Um, But, two, you know, I think the Chargers are playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. When you turn on the TV Monday night, you're going to probably see a lot more silver and black in the stands than you are going to see blue and gold. That's to be expected, and now the Chargers, since they're a good football team, really have a point to prove that this is they. They want their spot in L.A., so they're going to be even more motivated playing. So these are the little things that come into game day actions that are going to work, you know, whether in a team's favor or against them. But it, nonetheless, it's it's a game that you get amped for, and it's a game that should be interesting to watch.
11: So you've already said you thought there'd be a little bit of a hangover for the Chiefs and they're sitting there at 1 and 2. Broncos are 3 and 0 then. With that in mind and we know the Raiders are 3 and 0, who do you list as the favorite in the division?
13: I'm one of these guys that prove that that wants to say that you don't know what you can do until you prove it and go out there and play against somebody. Um, with that being said, I've come into the season saying that the the Broncos were going to eventually figure it out. Now I know they didn't play teams that that had winning records last year, so it's really kind of a stretch to see how good their three and O is. But I do believe that the Chargers were a good team since they found Justin Herbert and all the offensive weapons, and what they had on defense even before they found Justin Herbert. And I thought the Raiders were going to be competitive. So when you talk about standout in divisions, the Chiefs are going to be competitive. There's no way that you can discount a good quarterback like Patrick Mahomes in that offense and what they've done. They just have another a number of other, other distractions. With that being said, when it comes down to playoff time, I don't expect the Chiefs to win the playoffs, I mean, to, to be in the playoffs. I expect them to probably be knocking on the door for a wild card. But in the, in the interim, the rest of the teams in this division are going to beat up on each other. And I really don't know. I think, you know, this weekend coming in with the Raiders and the Chargers is going to be a telltale sign of who's probably going to take the initial step to, to, to maybe govern the division. But right now it's really too early to tell.
0: Are there uh, any of the teams at 2-1 uh, and one that really jump out at you? We're not talking about them because they're undefeated, but hey, th- these are pretty good football teams. They lost an early game, so what? I got them circled. They're going to be really good by the end of the year.
13: No, you know what? In all honesty, guys, because my, my work with college football as well yeah. as with the Raiders, I haven't really been able to just sit down and watch a lot of football games. So there's there's a lot to be missed within the first month of the season, and especially when you come out of preseason, you know what the Raiders did in preseason. I, I thought was just it was just wrong, um, not playing a lot of their starters and it taking a little bit of a rough start. Now they're fortunate to be three and zero. There's no doubt about it, because this team, in my opinion, the Raiders still have a lot of flaws that can be exploited. And once it comes across a good football team, they probably will be exploited. Um, I think they were very fortunate to face. The the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Dolphins, who have all had offensive line issues, and really had issues at the quarterback position and protecting the quarterback, and and you know the Ravens without their star running backs and stuff like that, really had to depend on other things or other people uh, coming out the gate, Lamar Jackson, and, and they were fortunate enough to win as well as in Pittsburgh, as well as last week uh, uh, against you know the the Dolphins uh, because they made that game far more interesting than they had, but. Um, I still think this team has a lot of flaws, and and as I said a moment ago, it's going to be it, it, there's going to come a good team, and it might be the balance attack for this team that they're facing this this Monday night that's going to exploit those flaws and really challenge this team to really step up in many other ways that they had not expected yet.
11: There's a number of teams in the league that are zero and three, and I can safely say, I feel confident in saying those teams suck, and they'll <laughs> they'll continue to suck. Correct. Right, so I got that at 0-3. But I'm really intrigued by teams that are three and O, right? Because I don't know that I can say, well, those teams are going to be great. The Raiders yeah. being the one, Broncos both in the yeah. same division. You got in the in the uh, across the board in the NFC West. The the Rams I think are going to be good. The Cardinals right. are three and O, but I'm not sure. So it's kind of funny in that, well, if you're if you're three, I know you suck, <laughs> but if you're three and I I don't know if you're really good yet. Is that fair?
13: That's very fair. Very fair, because you really don't know what to, you know, here's the thing. When you look at somebody like the Broncos, you have to take in consideration that they're playing basically a last-place schedule. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're taking on teams, you know, I think it's the Giants, the Jaguars, and who was the other one? But they didn't have, you know, had a combined limited number of wins over the last couple of years. So you, you take that in consideration, okay? It is what it is, but still the fact that they're 3-0. I've said all along the Broncos were eventually going to figure it out. They're going to get a piece at quarterback, and they've been dibbing and dabbing with Aaron Rodgers and other things, but Teddy Bridgewater has been solid for them. They have weapons on offense. We know about it. They've been a quarterback away of being competitive, and now because of their schedule, they are competitive and up in the upper upper ranks. I don't necessarily think they're as good as their record says, but it is what it is. You have to deal with it when you have to deal with it. And the Raiders have to cross that path when they do, playing them twice this season. Um, as far as other teams go in the National Football League, it's, look, the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did something that no other team has done, especially after winning a Super Bowl. They brought their entire team back, the same team back. They got hot because of their defense in the latter part of last year. And I'm still convinced, as much people want to anoint Tom Brady uh, in, this, in this episode, that the fact that you know he threw three interceptions in an NFC Championship game, they should have won that football game. They, they, they should not have won that football game. It, it's, when you lose a turnover battle, you're not supposed to win games, statistically. But because of the defense, they were that much better. That being said, going forward, they still are a strong team. And I think the NFC is competitive. I think that you saw that with the Rams because the moment the Rams got Matthew Stafford, I mean, I put $100 down on 32-1 to 1 odds that they would be in an NFC championship. I say they're going to win the Super Bowl. I say they're going to be in the NFC championship. So they're on the way, and my bet is still good. Um, <laughs> but, but for the most part, you know, it's still up in the air because there have been so many intangibles due to preseason, due to post-COVID uh, from last year, so many intangibles for so many teams that it's still a long season. And promise, I'll promise you guys this: with that 17th game, that's going to have a lot of coaches being try to be creative and smart and how to defend some of their players midway through the season. And you might get people who are sitting down and resting just because they they, they want to try to protect them for the end of the season.
0: You know, in the Pac-12, uh, the Pac-12 South is not good, but it mm. might end up being entertaining because right. there aren't any dominant teams and. If everybody's, you know, getting a B and nobody's getting an A, then, well, (laughs) it's entertaining. There's six games with these four teams head-to-head. It seems like four teams can all make a case. Hey, we might be the team that does it. Why not us? Arizona and Colorado can't make that case, but everybody else has a chance to make a case. With that said, UCLA and Arizona State have the first of those six head-to-head matchups. Do you like either team one more than the other? Is this the kind of thing you watch just because, man, I don't know what's going to happen in this game?
13: I think UCLA is the team to beat in the South now. I think they're you know, looking at them and watching film on them. They've got some pieces in place. They've made some minor mistakes along the way, but things that can be coachable. I think UCLA is, is the one who's going to take the South.
8: Do you
11: think that if they got behind, they'd be able to play catch-up a little bit? Because it seems like they're more of a running team. They've had a couple yeah. of good runners. Yeah. But I'm not sure that DTR, if you could just say, boys, get on my back, I'm going to take you home.
13: Yeah. I mean, I think that is, it's a great point. I, I, and I do think there's some validity to that point. Um, it's, but, you know, the thing is, is that overall in the South, I don't see offensive firepower. That's going to be able to step it up on a consistent basis to stretch them and really put the panic push the panic button for them. Uh, DTR is not going to be able to lead them back. I, I think the running game is going to be bounce enough to, to, to keep teams opposing teams on their heels.
0: Okay. Obviously, the Utes have had to deal with the ultimate tragedy here, losing two t- yeah, teammates goodness, yeah. dying within a year. I mean, it's just awful. It's just yeah. it's brutal. I, I'm curious if you went through anything like that in your career. If there's any Thing you can draw if you've had that experience anything you can explain or uh, like the rest of us you just you shake your head and you feel awful no you shake them. your
13: head yeah. I mean it's, it really is sad I do believe there's way too much violence in this world um, but I also know that you know back in my day you know, we were never told to stay clear of parties or don't hang out and have good times it just wasn't a senseless meaning to life and death I mean you you, you have a blatant disrespect for life in the world today and, and, and it's sad and it, it really as a parent to three children who are teenagers right now and looking to go to college you know I don't I don't know where to put them at because let's face it you know when parents meet with coaches about potential scholarships for them to go on and try to better themselves the mindset is that I'm turning my child over to you I want you to protect them. I want you to, to nourish them. I want them to grow under your tutelage. You don't ever expect that you're turning over your child and you're never going to see him again. And and unfortunately, this is the world that we live in. And so it's hard. You know, my heart, and my sentiment goes out to the family, obviously, as well as to the Utah program. I mean, the, the, the tragedies that they have, they've been before, they faced with them uh, over the past year is just Senseless and unimaginable in many respects. Um, so it, it really is a, a tragedy, and so. Yeah.
0: Well, we appreciate your time and your perspective. Thanks for coming on and talking with us, Lincoln. And we will talk to you again next week.
13: The guys with the missiles. I appreciate it, guys. Be well. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> DJ
0: PK
11: and LK Weekly. I was thinking about what he said. I was thinking about this uh, this last earlier in the week. We haven't really talked about it because I don't, as much I don't know what we can add. But obviously, I'm going to a fair share of house parties and bars and whatnot, going to NAU and ASU. And never once did I think, oh, somebody's going to have a gun and someone's going to get shot. It just wasn't even on your mindset. It literally never, ever crossed my mind whatsoever That that would happen. In the college community I was in, uh, working late shifts at the
0: radio station, and there were parties, and there were guys, friends of mine, working jobs in food service, you know, pizza places and that kind of stuff. that were working until 11 and midnight. So there were lots of us who were out, some cases by ourselves, 10, 11, midnight, 1 a.m., and you didn't think anything of it, and nothing ever happened, and it wasn't really on the table or a topic for discussion. And the neighborhood where this happened, a kid carpooled with us, lived maybe 10 houses away from where everything happened last weekend. It's not the kind of place where I, I think what you said, where it wasn't even on the radar. I don't think it was on anybody's radar in this neighborhood on Friday. And yet Saturday night, you know, they're hearing noises. They're hearing pops. They're calling the police. I don't think it was on their radar either. But there it is. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Greg Rebell is coming up in 15 minutes to talk BYU football. Stay with us.
5: The The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon
3: Monson the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only David Locke. Everywhere I go, what do you think of Rudy Gay and Jared Butler? And I was like, I think about Hassan Whiteside. All those conversations about Butler and Trent Forrest and Eric Pascal, the one that slides my meter of where the Jazz are and who they are is Hassan Whiteside. We were horrendous defensively with Rudy off the floor last year. Like, we actually had a glaring statistical weakness defensively for 14 minutes a night, every night on a team that was the best record in the NBA. If we're, like, above average or even good, because Hassan Whiteside is Seven one with a seven five wingspan. The sun Whiteside is good. Lights out.
5: Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network.
0: Join Scottie and from 10 to 2 this Friday. Mountain Supply in Far West, 3142 North. 2000 West, it's the Mountainland Supply Tool and Safety Tailgate Party. Save hundreds on tools and safety gear. Grab a burger and a dog at the Tool and Safety Tailgate Party. That's Mountainland Supply at 3142 North, 2000 West, in Far West. So, PK, you got that story you've told us about uh, draft night. Keith Van Horn, you're on the Ute beat for the watchdog, and you're walking around Charlotte just killing time, and you saw Tim Duncan walking around Charlotte just killing time with a few of his friends that he had... uh, Taking there for the draft to enjoy the whole experience once in a lifetime, you're only mm-hmm. drafted once. Yeah. And as you were walking around, did you ever see a a little brick building, the thirsty beaver saloon? Did you have any chance walk past that?
11: Yeah. <laughs> I've chugged a few at the thirsty beaver in my time. You're lying. <laughs> as soon as you go to that tone, it's a total lie. That's so <laughs>
0: that tone, hundred percent BS. Whatever you say, the exact opposite is true. <laughs> Because it turns out, (laughs) although most nights, that's just a little neighborhood place. And some dude walks down the street from his apartment complex. Yeah, there's a bunch of high-rises surrounded. They won't sell to the developers and want to... Now, apparently, it looks like the house from Up. But apparently, they had a a famous... Famous person just stopped by, relatively unnoticed. A person with another situation might cause a stampede.
11: This is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it's a small little dive place, and then it has a little patio out front with those high tables uh, that you can either stand on or, or you know, sit set way high. Your, set your food or your yeah. drink on them. Yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> you can go on his Twitter, and none other than Mick Jagger. They're on tour. I'm going to see them in Vegas next, well, uh, first weekend of uh, November at the uh, football stadium. And he was on tour. They're on tour. So he went there to the Thirsty Beaver last night and he's just hanging out. He's standing he, there leaning on that
0: wooden railing. He
11: posts a picture, and there's people right there, and they don't even know. He's got a cap on that right there. He's just is, an old guy having one beer by himself. He's freaking Mick Jagger. And
4: there's a dude sitting on a
0: stool with his back to him, talking to his friend about whatever. No idea. are like, Dude. <laughs> Quit talking about the Panthers. Spin around. Mick Jagger is right behind you. But it doesn't look
11: like anybody recognized him. It doesn't. And there's only four
0: or five people in the the photo. I mean, it's a Wednesday Wednesday night. night. It's not the place. It's going to be packed. I know.
11: This is incredible. And these people are
0: all standing there talking like, off to your left. That's Mick Jagger. (laughs) No, it's not, man. I'm not going to look.
11: Oh, that's awesome. Don't play me for the fool.
0: Yeah, that is so awesome. And Mick just... Un- totally under the radar. I'm, he's chilling. Just some, just some dude, just some dude getting a drink. DJ and PK, we are doing joined now by Doctor Justin Johnson. He is with Premier Wave, and you've got uh, you've got something to set you apart from other ED clinics. You want to explain what you're doing?
4: Yeah, so
9: we have a new machine that just uh, got FDA approved for the root causes of erectile dysfunction. It took them ten years. And I think about this machine, it was specifically designed for erectile dysfunction treatment. The other machines, other uh, modalities out there are not. And this, because it was designed for ED treatment, it's so effective. It's at least twice as effective. So it's such a great treatment.
0: So what should a patient expect when they come to your clinic?
9: Yeah, so, you know, we do a free consultation to make sure that they're a good candidate. Because while well, the majority of men are good candidates. There are a few that are, you know, if they've had a stroke or whatnot. But once we determine they're a good candidate, they come in and get a uh, very comfortable environment, well-trained staff. All of our staff has been certified, either as an esthetician or a nurse practitioner or a physician like myself. And then it's six treatments, which we do two times a week, and it's pretty easy.
0: So which men are the best candidate? I see that you hear people you can rule out, but who's really fits for this?
9: Well, you know, that's a good question, and the answer is that any person who really is not feeling like they're getting great results in the bedroom uh, at whatever age, because the red dysfunction is not just, you know, complete dysfunction. It's a, a wide range of uh, results, you know, that starts at sometimes as early as 25. So you feel like you're just not as good as you were or not, not able to achieve the erection you were able to with younger person then you should come in cuz it's a great result and really in my mind it's really the gold standard i mean if you're serious about erectile dysfunction then come see us because we get such good
0: results and you got a special deal for our listeners
9: yeah so if you mention uh, 1280 the zone we'll give you $300 off you know as an introductory offer to our new machine but what we're really excited about is, you know, we've had, I know that a lot of people have tried other uh, modalities, not quite and gotten the results they want. So if you you know, come in and show us you've tried it before, we will give you half off of all your treatments because we feel that confident that you'll get a great result.
0: You can call right now, 385-360-WAVE, 385-360-WAVE, 385-360-9283, or check them out online at premierwave.com. Thanks, Doc. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. TJP Gates 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Greg Rubel, play by play voice of the BYU Cougars. He is on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end of season sale on the irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased offer available to all commercially property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today.
11: Greg, good morning.
12: Good morning.
11: So he's going with Rush because it's a Canadian, but I, I would think Rube's would like maybe Neil Young, Drake, or Anne Murray.
12: Bring them all on. <laughs> that's that. That's the start of a great playlist right there. BK
0: just max out on Canadians, huh?
12: But the star, but, but but the song you brought me in with, you know, speaks to all of us, right? Because it's the spirit of radio, and we all believe in that.
11: We do. Uh, on the 1st and 15th, I especially do.
12: <laughs> <laughs> I just get paid once a month.
11: BYU is 4-0. and
0: They are nationally ranked. The number one reason for this great start in your mind is?
12: Good football. Good, complimentary football. I mean, they're taking care of it. They're not giving it away. Uh, they're scoring when they get the opportunity, especially the last game. Um, defense has been really solid. Um, they're, they're finding a way to be resilient, they've faced adversity in every game, team comes back a little bit, and then BYU uh, does what it has to do to, to cl- kind of close things out. It's been good football. It's just been really solid. I, 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 you, know, I, y- you could take a look at different areas and say they could be better here or there, but I really do feel when it comes to that phrase of complementary football, um, every side is doing what's, what, what's you know, what it's taken to, to win four games at this juncture. How much
11: credit do you think in this circumstance goes to the consistency and the quality of the coaching staff?
12: Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm so impressed with, with the way A-Rod's called the first four games, and not that anybody should be surprised by it. He was you know, deeply involved in play calling prior to his current assignment. But I just love the way he's kind of game by game you know, brought this team along and brought them through. And, and you know, his mantra is, don't do the things that get you beat. And and that's what buehler Always been, done, you know, doing a good job of. You know, you know, very few ill-timed penalties, uh, very few giveaways, the kinds of things that kind of wreck your opportunity to play consistent football. His agri- his mindset is aggressive, um, in particular parts of the field, but he's not reckless. Uh, he's done, you know, the the, the things that have brought Jaron Hall along. Uh, he's had to make a quarterback shift, a uh, quarterback sh- uh, switch, three games in. And, and, and got similar uh, results than he had with with, with the other guys. So I, I just think A-Rod's been tremendous at how this season has started. Um, you know, Coach Tuiaki and Coach Sitake now uh, have worked on their defense together now into a sixth season, and I think you see how they like to play the game, and, and they're dealing with some adversity right now in terms of personnel, finding a way to kind of grind through it. And, and there's a lot to be said for the continuity in the staff, and, and other staffs have brought it up when talking about BYU, that even though a quote-unquote the new OC is really not that new, and, and everything else that they've brought you know, is most of you know, coaches back from last year. Uh, the additions of Coach Funk and Coach Klune have already seemed to pay some dividends. Uh, I, I think the coaching staff is a big, big part of it, PK. So
0: as BYU prepares for Utah State, obviously a lot of guys lead the previous game injured, um, mm-hmm. and there's a you know whole wide range of what is possible, who could be missing, who could be back. And in my mind, some of them are not a big deal because I think the next guy up has already shown that he can play at a pretty high level. In my mind, I have zero idea how high level some of the other backups can play at. So as not to load the question and bias it too much, PK's been calling me out on that. I'm curious uh, where you've got more confidence and where you've got less confidence.
12: Well, I think the Keenan-Peeley loss is you know, almost irreplaceable um it's you know things were moving along pretty well and so much talk about the you know at that time you know 2 and 0 3 and 0 and but but losing Keenan there's no one really like him um, you know it's it's like utah state losing you know Justin Rice or utah losing a devin lloyd it's 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 that kind of importance um, you just don't have someone like him uh, you can sh- shuffle some pieces around but that's a that that's a loss BYU's is going to feel you know the whole season and and it's 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 an ex mentality but he was a pretty special man, you lost. And so now it's you, you do drop down a notch and, and you have to find a way to make do. Um, I think guys, if you look if you look at from the from the season opener against Arizona to what BYU might put on the field or, or did put on the field, let's say against South Florida, I think there were four guys on defense in the same spot. That's and that's just four weeks in. So football has been and is a brutal sport and the war of attrition is is raging at byu right now and they're they're 4-0 and despite hardships and despite adversity that defense has been banged up and is showing up in a lot of different places on the field uh like i said more than half the defense looks different from game one to game four in that starting 11.
11: we saw when the devils came in and after they left they were talking about the crowd and all that and may have contributed to some of their penalties, although they know they had 10 against SUU at home, so I don't necessarily buy that. I think it's a lack of discipline that has plagued the pro- program for many years. But nevertheless, they spoke of that, and where I'm going with this is this is BYU's first true road game because we were there, I was there in, in Vegas, and obviously that was on the road. It wasn't at home anyway, but the crowd was by and large for the Cougars for sure. Now they're not going to have the same level of uh, attendance at Maverick Stadium, but it's it's going to be raucous and all. Do you, you put any stock into BYU being in this environment for the first time and may cause issue?
12: Well, they're prepping so that it won't be. But back to what you said about BYU's environment, um, you know, it clearly had an impact in one particular series uh, for Arizona State. And, and 10 penalties to 16 penalties is still a pretty decent jump. And that jump can be found in the number of false starts Arizona State had in the rock section end of the stadium, I think, that night. So, so it, it had an impact on that night. South Florida, I really credit for not having it or not letting it be uh, much of an impact. Now, the crowd wasn't the same. Uh, there were fewer people and the energy wasn't quite as amped up. But I really applaud Timmy McClain and USF for, for playing a pretty clean game that way. because It was still loud enough, and, and USF did a nice job of, of not having it be an issue. If you go back at it, uh, DJ and PK, this is the first truly hostile crowd BYU's faced since their last trip to Logan. I mean, none of the road games since that game two years ago at Maverick could be considered hostile. Uh, you know, they played at Coastal when there were 5,000 fans during the COVID year. Um, that same year in 2019, they played San Diego State, but, you know, nobody really shows up or had been showing up um, there. This is the, the first – you've got to go two years to find an environment that makes you work to keep your focus. And and so BYU's offense has been inside this week in the IPF. Um, the big speaker's out blasting it. And like, you know, Arod told me Monday – yeah, you get annoyed by it. Your ears are ringing after 90 minutes, but it's something you have to do uh, because we haven't seen it in a while. We're going to see it on Friday night. The BYU bench has been moved from the west side to the east side, which puts the, the Cougars in front of the student section. Um, so these little distractions that come up, BYU's trying to prep to uh, you know kind of uh, withstand the impact of them on Friday night.
0: Greg Rubel joining us, BYU play-by-play voice. I'm curious uh, as you kind of look at scores, you maybe get to see some of the games, depending on kickoff times and all that. With two thirds of the schedule in front of you, who are the big tests for BYU, and who do you think they can sail through pretty easily?
12: Well, you know, Utah State, Boise State is is it, that, that's a tough little back to backer right there um, this week in Logan and next week in Provo. Um, so, so the Mountain West phase right there is is pretty stout. And, and then BYU's not had, you know, out-of-state trips beyond the neutral field at, 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 in Las Vegas to open the season, and, and the back half of the schedule is road-heavy. So in their final six games, they have five FBS games, and of the five FBS games, four are on the road. So in a lot of ways, you know, the heavy lifting is still to come for BYU um, at Baylor, and 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 Baylor's nationally ranked right now. They gave themselves a nice ramp-up schedule, but beating Arizona, beating Iowa State's legit. They did the right thing by easing themselves in, then they kind of unleashed it a bit. Kind of had to hang on, but that's a good win. Um, so you got the Mountain West games back-to-back. Then you go Baylor on the road, Wazoo on the road. One's clearly tougher than the other. And then you get the Bronco game, and that's got its own set of subplots and storylines and motivations. Idaho State, we kind of skip past. And then you go Georgia Southern, USC on the road back-to-back to, back to end the year. So, you know, the ones you're going to get are Idaho State. The one you really expect to get is Georgia Southern. They've made a coaching change. And Wazoo's kind of in the same boat. So those Mountain West games, the Baylor-Virginia game and the USC game, those are five tough, tough games to win. So 4-0 is great, but like I said, this is the, this is a tough sledding schedule for BYU with a lot still to come.
11: So this is cool this year. They've got the Broncos and Bronco. I like that. The Bronco game.
7: Bronco squared.
11: <laughs> uh, do you think that Utah State can exploit any of the same stuff that South Florida did in the second half?
12: Well, I, I was really – I thought Utah State didn't get the – I mean, the, the the 27-3 score will be among the more misleading scores in football this year, I thought. I, 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 as I watched and listened to that game on on Saturday – you know, I, I just thought, man, alive, Utah State should be going to the halftime locker room thinking, how are we not leading this game? You know, they 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 did so many good things and then they did the kinds of things that BYU has managed to avoid for the most part to this point in the season. Now BYU did have a blocked field goal uh, last week that kept them out of the red zone. In fact, the only time they have not scored in the red zone this year, guys, was that blocked field goal field goal against USF. But Utah State certainly didn't get enough bang for its buck last week. That was a winnable game, and 27-3 says it's not winnable. But if you were there, watched or listened, or saw how Utah State was moving the ball on Boise, Utah State could have expected to lead at halftime and should have expected to be in that game if not win it, but for the mistakes they made. Um, As to what Utah State can hope to exploit, I mean, USF did well, but was never really in a position to win that game. Um, they're, They're... You know, A-Rod told me Monday, he said, it's kind of weird. We had a team down 22 points that wanted to bleed clock. Um, And and they weren't going to have enough possessions to win the game if they kept playing that way, and that's exactly what happened. Every time BYU got the ball, BYU scored. And every time USF got the ball, they wanted to run you know, 12 to 18 plays um, in a very piecemeal fashion, and and that wasn't going to work for them in the end. And so in every game, you could argue BYU's been challenged, but they haven't been challenged to the point where they were in, in danger of losing the game. And so, you know, that's that's something Utah State will have to do. Let's keep in mind, guys. BYU's not trailed yet, so even if USF or if USU were to go up three or seven nothing, well, they've already put BYU in a spot they haven't been in yet this year.
0: Right. Greg Rubel, joining us here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the Zone. Have you heard anything? Maybe it's too early, but have you heard anything about the impact the Big Twelve announcement is having on recruiting?
12: No, just beyond the general. Um, you know, they're going to get into maybe some geographic areas they, they weren't before. Um, they may have to uh, as a result of the conference shift. But I, I think, you know, the biggest impact will simply be if if they were ever losing out to kids on tiebreakers being P5, that's out the window now. So if, if all things were equal with a recruit or a recruit's family, but P5 was the tipping point, well, you take that off the table and that changes a lot of things. Because you know that BYU's probably lost a handful of guys they've wanted over that one particular component. And, you know, I'm sure they were told, if you you know, if you could just give us that, it would, it would make a difference. Well, now they've got that. So I really don't think it's going to, you know, drastically expand the pool. Uh, BYU is already a, a decently wide net, but they're always going to specialize in who they target. And I think when doing so, they can now do so on a, a truly equal playing field with the other big names they're competing with to land talent.
11: Yeah, I actually think that where it would have the most positive effect, and I think this also in basketball, is in the grad transfer situation because they're going to be able to evaluate it. They're more mature, and obviously I'm talking about the non-LDS kid who may be the – have more – Uh, I don't know of an issue, but be more concerned about the honor code, whereas an 18-year-old thinking of four or five years in that environment, uh, as opposed to one or two, plus they're far more mature, they've been around a little bit, they understand the situation. So I really look for BYU to feast on the transfer market, particularly with basketball, because the jump from the west coast to the big 12 in basketball is just absolutely enormous and so i'm expecting yeah. big things and and actually now i want you to say uh, let's see bef- between now and 2025 BYU is going to make multiple sweet 16s
12: yeah i'm not saying that <laughs> a kid, Greg. Way to hold firm.
11: <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, I think Mark Pope is just going to do great stuff because I think this is a major improvement for him and his access to recruiting now because this is a top-notch, without question, basketball league.
12: Yeah, it's a game-changer. He's already done great stuff. Right. You know, even within the confines of the WCC. Yeah. And, and especially even with grad transfer talent there too, you know they, they've already explored that market fairly well yeah. in the current confines. And so yeah, I mean, he knows that you know that, that everything elevates in terms of expectation, uh, competition. Uh, the, the battle for athletes, it's all going to be ramped up, and he's in for it. If there's anybody who's in for it, it's Mark Pope, right? You guys know that.
11: Right, and I think he yeah. is going to just, I really believe he's going to do great, great stuff, because I think this, this is going to open so many doors, because you're not going to find a better basketball league.
12: Yeah, and, and the margin for error widens, right, when it comes to actual on-floor competition, um, it, it's not, you know, two bids or bust. You know, or you have to finish second to to, to, to the, the the championship winning team to have a shot. Right. You can you, you can be in the mix Both. in the Big Twelve yeah, and have a really really good basketball team and have a great shot of playing in March.
11: Well, uh, Oklahoma was uh, 16 and 11, I think, nine and eight last year, and they made the NCAA tournament. That right. just tells you the respect level that that conference has. They were an eight seed, so I don't want to say they're guaranteed to make the tournament, but their chances, as you say they can finish fourth or fifth in that league and still get a sixth seed.
12: Yeah, with the style of play, and you can argue in, you know, to some point the level of talent BYU's been playing with, that would put you in the running, right? And, and that's where you just need to be in the Big 12. I mean, ideally, yep. you're going to try and compete for championships, yep. but um, you know, BYU's already experienced you know, some of the Big 12 um, top-of-the-heap uh, dynamic in, in its own conference. Uh, I, I think Gonzaga has been a really good training ground for BYU actually when you think about competing in the Big 12.
11: I think you're going to get your wish. I'll yeah. say it if you won't. I think <laughs> Bo- Pope is going to get them to multiple Sweet 16s.
0: What I feel bad about Greg is that you have just traded San Francisco for Stillwater and Malibu for Manhattan and I froze one morning in Manhattan Kansas because of college basketball and I feel bad for you.
12: No, you know, the, the, the great thing about the WCC uh, when it comes to basketball is every road trip you take is headed west. And uh, when you hit the Big 12, every road trip you take is going to be headed east. And so you're going to be, um, you're gonna be you know, giving up the, uh, the, the sandstorms for the ice storms. Um, and uh, it, it's going to be a, a different deal entirely. Uh, the travel will be interesting. I'm sure there will be some stories to tell within a decade from now about getting to certain venues on certain nights. But uh, you know, obviously, the trade off is is certainly worth it.
0: Well, Stockton's been a good training ground in that regard, in the same way Gonzaga has. <laughs>
12: nice giggle. Stock- Stockton's still pleasant <laughs> enough.
0: Greg, we appreciate a little bit of time. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the game in Logan.
12: Really looking forward to getting back up into uh, Maverick Stadium and and hearing some uh, some opposing fans in the stands again and and uh, you know it's funny BYU Utah State have played nothing but blowouts for almost a decade now and uh, you know maybe maybe a close game will will crop up one way or the other right. uh, BYU's been having these games where they have a nice little lead team chips in BYU gets it done we'll see what kind of uh, kind of dynamic we end up with tomorrow night. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for the time.
0: Thanks, Greg. Greg Rebell, play-by-play voice of the BYU Cougars joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Dr. Justin Johnson. He is with Premier Wave, and is a sensitive subject. What would you tell men that are on the fence about this treatment? I would tell them
9: that they're not alone. There's so many people that suffer from ED, and ED, you know, is not just complete dysfunction. There's a wide range of um, <clears throat> functions. It's simply, you know, if you're not performing like you used to when you were younger, that's, you know, typified or classified as ED. So, there's a lot of people suffering from it, and you don't need to. There's great treatments available to reverse and correct the dysfunction that, the, that people have.
0: What do guys say when you talk to the clients after the treatment? What kind of feedback do you get?
9: We've gotten such great feedback. Some men are just so happy. They're like, you know, I haven't had this kind of function in many years, and it's just great to reconnect with, you know, their spouse or their significant other. And they're just so happy with the results they've gotten, especially with this new machine that we have. The other machine that we had worked pretty well, but this new machine works at least twice as, as well, you know, probably even more because we've signed a contract as a national premier the uh, partnerships so that we can kind of tweak the protocols and the methods, and so we've gotten even better results than the the study results that they've had.
0: And you got a special deal, special offer for people who call today.
9: Yeah, so since it's a new machine, we're offering kind of an introductory offer. So if you mentioned 1280, the zone, we'll give them $300 off. But what we're really excited about is there's a lot of people who have tried other treatments and haven't quite gotten the results they want. We feel so confident that they'll get results with our new machine that we'll give them half off of our treatments.
0: You can call now 385-360-wave 385-360-wave 385-360 9283 find them online at premierwave.com thanks doc Yeah you guys have a nice day You too
5: It's game week for the Aggies and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff <laughs> The Aggies welcome in BYU to Maverick Stadium for another chapter in their long rivalry with the Cougars. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action, beginning with the Aggie pregame show Friday at 6 on 1280 a.m., with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
13: There's never bulletin board material because it's somebody else's narrative. It's not our narrative. Uh, I don't think we will all be here together regardless of age if we didn't believe in our ability and what we can do. Actually, it it, it is funny because this is the this is the only kind of lane and genre where you got to be a certain age to be successful or be great.
0: That's Carmelo Anthony right there talking about the Lakers, the narrative they're old because well He's 37, and LeBron and Trevor Ariza are both 36, and Dwight Howard's 35, and on down the line. Much old guys, PK. Veteran experience. They're counting on it making a difference in the playoffs. I look at veteran talent
11: as opposed to the age right now. What is the talent level? That, I'm far more concerned about that than date of birth. And how does that talent level fit together? Mesh. Yep. You know, what does Russell Westbrook do? He's so ball dominant. And how is he going to fit in? Because with LeBron, you don't want to take the ball out of LeBron's hand too much because he's really good. And, you know, what do you need to be successful? You need guys that be able to hit open shots when he throws the ball out to you. And is that Westbrook's game? No. I mean, obviously he's not the pure shooter. He's a phenomenal athlete. He may be the most athletic point guard ever to play.
0: I think where he helps him is he carries the load, the regular season slog. He brings a lot of energy. gets you easy buckets in transition. Can he carry the load in the first three quarters of a bunch of regular season games so that LeBron's not exerting himself all the time? I think for all of LeBron's teammates – That's kind of the role. And then in the fourth quarter, let LeBron win the game. And in the playoffs, then LeBron can It's only playoffs that matter.
11: Who cares what they do in the regular season? Well, you don't want to wear LeBron down. Who who wears LeBron down? Why are you assigning something that hasn't yet to happen? Does it lead to injuries?
0: You can't predict injuries. Well, you really can't. The one they had last year when someone steps on his ankle and rolls over, that's a traumatic injury. It doesn't have anything to do with fatigue. But a groin injury, maybe that does have something to do.
11: Yeah, but if he's hurt, then you're not going to win anyway.
0: But maybe he doesn't get hurt if he doesn't play his minutes or he doesn't play as many high-level minutes and doesn't carry as big a load. Maybe. That's the best you got. It is, it is the best I've got.
11: <laughs> so, if he's not carrying as big a load, you're not winning. Mm. There's nobody on that team who can carry a load. Are you kidding me? In the second and third quarter of a regular season game? Well, I don't game, care about the
0: regular season. Well, that's where he's going to have too much. I LeBron don't care. LeBron is still a physical specimen and can handle
11: fourth quarters and playoff games. That's all that matters. They're going to be judged on the postseason. Everything else is preliminary. Don't show up. Show up in March. Who cares what you do? Take that February break you took in Cleveland a few years ago. He is somebody who needs to be there for the postseason. He's about winning it all. You don't bring in a bunch of old dudes and... Can they do it in the regular season? Because if they can't, then and they do it in the playoffs, who cares? I, I don't. I don't consider them the title favorite by any stretch. I think it's a desperate attempt to try to get one more. Yeah, and and you know they tried it with uh, because the I can make an argument by relying on these dudes in the second and third quarters. They're going to get hurt. I can make just as much of an argument there. We
0: talked NFL today. Lincoln Kennedy joined us, and you pointed out, and I think, I know you like to go against the grain, but I think you went with the grain on this one. Three and O teams, do we really trust them? O and three teams, oh, yeah. <laughs> We know you're off Well, isn't that
11: interesting, We though? know you're awful. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The ex- absolutely the exact opposite, the, but you can be so sure over here, but you're not sure
0: over there. I am sure about the Lions and Giants, and I am sure about the Jets and the Jaguars. Maybe the Colts could get off the deck at 0-3. I don't think so. They're the only one that I'll entertain out of the five. Now, at 3-0, Denver might end up being really good. But nobody wants to announce it off the three teams they've beaten so far. Or they might be eight and seven. Let's see what happens. they got to play the six games in the division every year. Let's see what happens when you get to those. Well, they don't
11: have to. I mean, they're strongly encouraged. (laughs) But we
0: just listed (laughs) 0-3 teams that we know are bad, and they beat the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Jets.
11: I think the Lions can maybe win some games. Yeah. Got a little hope for them? Not a lot.
0: Well, I said some games. Right, yeah, some games. I get it. If there's a five-win team, in but the I group, I don't them.
11: know where the Jags and Jets are going to win. When they play each other, that's one. I mean, obviously. That's one. And after that. Although not necessarily. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> they both
0: rolled into that 0-14 and, and tied. <laughs> Ten minutes of overtime, guys.
11: <laughs> Nobody scores. <laughs> Just one pick after another. Anything else you took away from uh from Lincoln Kennedy. He didn't like UCLA. That's where I was going. Yeah. But I think that you got to like somebody because somebody's going to win it.
0: UCLA's got the two best wins if you're saying who's looked the best so far. But the red flag on them is, oh, look how Fresno threw the ball on you guys with the game on line. Yeah, but
11: who's throwing the ball against them? You knew it like was coming. The Utes? The Devils? Colorado? Arizona? USC. Yeah, I don't think they're
0: gonna go uh But to your point, does Fresno have a better passing attack? Does Fresno have a better passing attack than Utah? Yeah, I mean that kid is a transfer from Washington, Washington. so yeah. do they have a better hmm. passing attack than ASU? There's a strong case to be made.
11: We'll see well, right now they out. do. Yeah. Again so. that it's next Saturday and uh well this Saturday. Uh, yeah. For these guys, so on that particular day, and well, and you look at the stats too with them, and you think, wow, man, teams can throw on them. Well, Fresno did, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about it. And so, can anybody else uh, remains to be seen. But I get why Lincoln would go with them because SC looks like a mess. The Devils just they're going to commit a penalty. And, and Rubel said, yeah, 16 penalties versus 10. Okay, that was 10 in the first half against SUU. It wasn't 10 total. It was 10 and a half. <laughs> so now I got one half, they commit 10, and then the next two weeks later they commit 16. So it's a little hard to explain that away. Yeah, and so when they commit seven penalties for 90 yards, you're jumping up and down <laughs> against Colorado.
0: ASU and UCLA in S- Saturday mm-hmm. night eight thirty on FS1. A little must see TV there. It's it's going to be an odd Saturday with the Utes on a bye and BYU and Utah State playing on Friday. So that'll be wide open to watch a little more regional and national games as opposed to no, Pac twelve locals. games.
11: I've already checked it out.
0: Oregon and Stanford on ABC at 1.30. That's a big one.
11: Bingo. Uh, and I, and I think that in this division anyway. We might change our minds two and three times. Yes. The six games head-to-head
0: will be huge. And just when you think a team is out, they win one of those games, Yeah, you get a different opinion. And Greg Rebel was just on, and he was talking about the injuries at BYU, but that applies all across college football. So a team that looks good now could be gutted by injuries by Halloween, and we could be thinking about something else.
11: You know what I found interesting? And you can go back and listen to that. As he's describing Aaron Roderick, mm-hmm. basically he's describing Aaron Roderick's uh, Tenure under Kyle Whittingham, so Kyle Whittingham is having an influence on BYU football right now. Yes,
0: well, he had an influence on
11: Kalani too. Yeah, but they were always going to play that type of defense. Um, uh, but you y- you play a defense, and that's more standard. Where it's the, the variance of defenses that you can play. Is not going to be that good. BYU is not set up to play the three-three-five. That to think that they'll they'll never do that. That's not their way. Uh, Whereas offensively, you could have all sorts of. There's more of a variance of philosophies. And I think he's what I think A Rod is doing right now is combining the best philosophy of Kyle with the take shots philosophy of Norm Chow.
0: And so that. you're getting that.
11: and those are two influences on him. Yeah. Obviously. And so and everyone's influenced by people that you're influenced by and they're gonna have a right. mark on you. A guy you played for and a guy you coached for, well of course. Yeah. And so you're looking at that philosophy and right now it it's it's going extremely well because They're simply not beating themselves by any stretch. They're just not. And the one time they have a big turnover, the other team doesn't even get a snap off of it. More games are
0: lost than are won, and they're not losing games. Jazz are going to have a practice on Zoom. We agreed this is a good thing. Use anything to bridge the gap and connect fans to your players and your team. It's a positive.
11: Even if it doesn't work, it's worth a try. Well, it will, it's a practice. It'll work. It'll work. I mean, if nobody is on it, so be it. It'll, they'll still have the practice, but obviously folks are going to be on it because there's all sorts of excitement with this team this season, as there should be.
0: Football Fridays are presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. TJPK, it is time for your feedback. All the things you have to say about today's show. How acceptable is it to boo college athletes? Tom Hagen says, well, players? No. The offensive coach that calls three straight, three and outs? Yes. Although, as we got into earlier,
11: how do the players know when you're booing the coaches? Well, you hold up a sign. This is for the coaches. <laughs> okay, that's good. Right? So that, that's a give it away. Yeah, I guess if the team, if you're good three straight, three and outs... And then as the team is leaving the field, the offensive unit, but even then you would think that that would be some of the boos would be directed towards the players. But the good thing about it, if you're going to boo, don't boo an individual player because this stems from the Oklahoma fans chanting the backup quarterback's name and booing Spencer Adler. I just think for college kids, that's over the top.
0: Ryan says booing amateur athletes is pretty weak. Of course, that leaves several college football teams. is fair game. hey I added the hail. I get it. We were just discussing uh, Whittingham's impact on BYU. CJ says Whittingham had a huge impact on Kalani and BYU's defense. Kalani was a running backs and tight ends coach before getting hired at the U. That's not true. Chuyaki didn't know what defense he was going to run when he was hired at BYU. He said so in his first press conference.
11: I, did not I don't know what I'm going to do, but thanks for hiring me. <laughs> 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 but certainly Kyle's had an influence on those guys because they coached under him. There's no question about that because everybody that you come in contact with one way or the other, maybe it's an influence for the bad. I'm not going to do that. But he's, he's run a successful program, so there's no question that he's had a success. And then you can go back and say, well, then Lavelle Edwards had an impact on Kyle Whittingham. And yes, he did. Yes, he did. And his father... Uh, Fred Whittingham, who coached at BYU, had an impact on his son, which is without question, he'll tell you that a thousand times over. So you can tennis volley that back and forth, but everybody you come in contact with is going to have an influence. And yes, BYU guys are going to be influenced by Utah guys and vice versa. Scream at the TV
0: tweets at us, my perspective on booing of college athletes has changed a bit in the last few days. My youths have been through a lot. I'm going to cut them some slack.
11: Oh, the death of the player? Yeah. If that's what it takes for you, sure, fine.
0: Jake says dirty plays deserve booze. Always. I'm looking at Coastal Carolina number 94 and the dude with the late hit on Baylor Romney last weekend.
11: Oh, well, I'm talking about home team booing hometown player. I'm not talking about fans booing somebody else. The visitor, the opponent fans, I guess. We discussed uh,
0: jazz bonding in Vegas. And Dan Met says whatever bonding happens in Vegas stays in be- Vegas and adds a GIF from The Hangover.
11: Well, then that doesn't work. You want that bonding to continue. You don't want it to end <laughs> in Vegas if that's the case. And that that's bonding not good. needs to
0: carry you through Milwaukee. <laughs> Need some help.
11: And I suspect that if they're off to a flying start and they're in first place at Christmas, then they'll be bonded just fine. Winning does help with the bonding, no doubt about that. I think it uh, doesn't it just basically cement it. Yep. Because whatever differences I have with you, who cares if we're if winning? We're winning. <laughs> because these guys, particularly all these guys, you speak about a veteran team, they don't have as many over 30 guys uh, as uh, the Lakers. But the guys that they added, two nucleus guys to the rotation anyway, gay and whiteside, I mean, they're older. And they fully get it. They're coming here, and they chose to come here, coming here to play winning basketball. That's the whole point of them signing with the teams that they signed, to play winning hoop. It's what it's about.
0: Uh, there are plenty of guys over 30 on this team. Now, not the 35, 36, 37-year-olds that the Lakers have, but there are plenty of guys in that 32 to uh, 35. Rudy is 35. I know he is. Yeah. yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in Dr. Justin Johnson from Premier Wave. You can find him online at premierwave.com. And, and, Doc, you're telling folks that you've got a new piece of FDA-approved equipment that's a game-changer uh, in the ED world.
9: Yes, it's uh, technology that just barely came out. They've been working on it for 10 years, getting it to the FDA approval process, and it was designed specifically for erectile dysfunction, where the other machines while they're being used for erectile dysfunction, weren't specifically designed for it. And what it does is it penetrates a lot deeper, so you get much better results. It's a game changer in that it's a quantum leap in like in technology. It's like going from like a rotary phone to a a smartphone, like an iPhone 13. It's the newest, latest, and greatest. So if this were an iPhone 13, people would be lining up to get this erectile dysfunction treatment done.
0: So you've got uh, you've got people who don't line up because this is a sensitive subject and maybe they'd rather not do it. And what would you tell those people?
9: Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a man and it's a sensitive subject. No one wants to admit that they're not as healthy and vigorous as they were in their in their youth. But it's a common problem that men face. More than fifty percent of men over fifty have some type of erectile dysfunction. So I would tell people, hey, you're not alone, and you don't have to live with this. I mean, it's such a big part of our lives. You know, It really helps with relationships with your significant other. So there are great treatments out there to reverse and just completely get rid of this problem. So why not come in and see us? Because you don't have to live with this problem.
0: So you got a special deal. Tell the folks about that.
9: Yeah, so since this is a new machine. It's kind of our introductory offer. So dimension 1280 to Zone. We'll give them $300 off our treatment series. But what we're really excited about is This is such a great new technology. It works so well that anyone who's tried the treatments before and not had success. We will give them half off of our treatment package if they come and give us a try.
12: All
0: right. You can call right now, 385-360-WAVE. 385-360-WAVE. That's 385-360-9283. Or find them online at PremierWave.com. Thanks for joining us this morning, Doc. Yeah, gentlemen, you have a very nice morning. You too. DJ and PK, Hans and Scotty are coming up next.